Blog Talk Radio. Holy smoke, let's do that again. Everybody has been knocked offline, so I'm going to hit this button followed by another button. Hold on. Tonight's episode of Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete is sponsored by Blue Haven NYC in Greenwich Village, New York City's sports bar for grown-ups. Go to www.bluehavennyc.com for details. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We're tonight's entertainment. Take me to the volcano! It's really called this. You have to ask for the vinegar with the mother in it. Oh, come on. Quick I need, no. Seriously. Maybe bad thousand beyond. I don't know. I don't know if we'll have enough time. But uh, everything's perfectly all right now. We're fine. We're all fine here now. Thank you. How are you? Hello there, and welcome to Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam, Pete, New York Sports Talk podcast, coming to you live from Comac, New York, Bayside, New York, Freehold, New Jersey. It's episode number 138 of Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam, Pete. Hi, how are you? Good to see you. Good evening. We're going to talk New York sports nice, no big deal. Oh, it's great to be back. It is Thursday night. It is 9.30 p.m. It is time for Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete. Hi. I'm one of your hosts, Steve Pietro, And uh, let's just bring in my co-host, the guy who, uh, the yin to my yang. The the guy, the man, the legend. He's uh, direct back from an engagement in, uh, I believe he was in Wisconsin. Yeah, here he is. He was at a comedy club called Yuck Yuck. Yuck, yuck. Haha, ha, we're laughing, yuck, yuck. Again, these very long comedy club names. I don't know. <laughs> That's also a cabaret, by the way. Here he is. Calneva Calpino. Caliente. Hi, Cal. Hi, Steve. Welcome into the uh, the program. Thanks. Wisconsin was um, the club Say Cheese. Uh, that's, that's what I would say. Um, and it was a burlesque club actually oh boy oh boy filthy very uncomfortable you were at say cheese say cheese with a question mark <laughs> that was it say cheese right i guess is, it, is there is there not like an i guess in parentheses no actually there's a comma so it's like say like say cheese, cheese? i guess that's the uh right in, in the uh, in ellipsis, yeah. yeah. No, the the uh, little cafe inside there is called, I guess, like the little snack bar. Oh I, boy, I guess. Say cheese. Hi, Cal. Well, here we are again. Yeah, we got a lot of New York sports to talk about. We're going to get right to it. Uh, we're going to talk about the Islanders in the playoffs, the Rangers and the playoffs, but specifically how it relates to Matt Harvey and the Mets. Because I'm not talking about the Rangers in the playoffs. Um, no, we're, gonna, 
We're going to uh, talk to my brother Scott, the Islander fan. Can we start just officially calling him Scott, the Islander fan? I, I've been calling him that for years. Yeah, I'm going to get him a hat or a T-shirt. Scott, the Islander fan? Yeah, it's going to say Scott on the front in huge letters. Like, Or better yet, we'll get the uh, Color of Money T-shirt. <laughs> like the like the Vince T-shirt. It'll just say Scott. Black T-shirt, white letters, Scott. Right. And then on the back, it'll say the Islander fan. I envision like one of those shirts you used to get at the flea market with the felt letters. <laughs> That's exactly right. There would be no better way to go than doing that, of course. Um, the uh, So we're going to talk about the Islanders and the playoffs with Scott, the Islander fan. Also my brother, okay? Longtime friend of PJ. Uh, cousin of Jarrell. Uh, I feel like I'm describing a Superman character. Um, comic book hero. He is a bit of a comic book hero, by the way. Is he really? He speaks Elvish, Cal. Well, yeah. Look I out, look out, ladies. Can't compete with that. Yep. <laughs> Good thing he found my sister-in-law though those many years ago, because I tell you what, not a hot commodity. Look out, ladies. He's quite a catch. He speaks Elvish too. And and, and, and Wookie. Um, so, he's gonna be in the back here laughing. <laughs> we're gonna also talk about the Mets being irrelevant by May first. Good job, everybody there. We're gonna hand out kudos to uh, to the Mets. And the Yankees keep rolling along. We're also gonna talk Knicks, Cal. We're gonna talk Knicks with an old friend of the of the program. Probably the oldest friend of the program, if you Correct. think about it. First ever call, uh, caller to the show, Artie. Alderondo, am I saying that right? Absolutely. Can I just call him Calrissian? Call him whatever you want. Can I call him Artie Calrissian? Sure. I think he'll appreciate that. He'll love it. Or just Lando. Let's just call him Lando. This is not a race thing. But That's your, your, your new name is Lando. He <laughs> doesn't know that yet. He's going to talk about the Knicks and the suddenly now very uncomfortable playoff series. Uh, first round series with the Celtics. So we have him uh, coming up in a little bit. And uh, then later on in the program, we're going to talk about Jason Collins and his monumental announcement uh, and the SI article that accompanied it and uh, the courage that it took for Jason Collins to do that, how his coming out uh, is viewed through both the prism of sports and also the prism of pop culture and culture in general uh, and where that uh, sort of zeitgeist is moving how somebody like PJ, who's a casual sports fan, but is a uh, complete devourer of both culture and uh, anthropology, basically. He's an amateur anthropologist, I would say. Uh, he's more than amateur at this point. Oh, is he giving up his amateur status? I think he has. Is he going pro? Let's bring him in, because we're going to call Scott the Islander fan in a couple of seconds, because he's got to go to bed. Again, speaks Elvish and Wookie in bed by 10. Look out, ladies. <laughs> The amazing thing is, if he didn't look like Keanu Reeves, like he does, he's he's like a really good-looking guy, my brother. But uh, oh boy, loves hockey. Forget about the major sports. Hockey had a mullet. Let's let's be honest. Had a mullet for many years. <laughs> I think it was before it was. I mean, I had one too. But we're not killing him on this. Is he still going to call at this point? Or? <laughs> Is, is that is that out the window now? I'll tell you what, good thing we're calling him. Good thing we're calling him, because he was listening to the beginning. Hi, Peach! Hi! The Bishop, Pop Culture PJ. We missed you, PJ, last week. We really did. Yeah, and, we did. And I missed you, but you know, 
things were afoot. Well, it sounds like things were an ankle because uh, you said you were at a belt test for your son for Taekwondo, right? Uh, for my wife. Oh, that's oh, it was for Tina. Yes, yes. Because henceforth to... known as the boss. Right, because she needs a greater ability to kick your ass. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> as if doing it verbally and emotionally over these yeah. twenty years hasn't been enough. Right, the psychological abuse. <laughs> Make sure she can actually kick your ass. Kick <laughs> hurting on the person. Yeah. I'm actually rooting for her to get mugged now, just to see. <laughs> to see if what it's money, money well spent? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was, there was a terrible accident. Uh, one of the ladies at Taekwondo, who was attempting to split a board, but when you, when you, when you kick a board, you have to also be braced with the other foot. And she kind of let her mind wander, I think, and um, twisted that foot so good that uh, it, it it popped out. I mean, oh it was, boy. this was ooh nasty business. Ooh. Oh boy, nah, ugh, that's not good. No, nobody no, no. wants people, to see that. People were fainting and running and running with, while fainting with the fainting and the running. Yeah. Oh boy. Well, um, we we have a ton of. We're gonna get right to Scott. The island, right? Fan. Your friend, your friend. But uh, we have a ton to talk about later. We're going to do some more of those. Hey, can you do this? We're going to play that game again. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Should should should, should I hit his mic right now? You want to bring him right on? I I just called him while you were talking, and I was listening to you, and then Cal was listening to both of us. So everybody's listening. That's all it is. Just listening. That's the way to communicate. That's how it's done. Uh, I called him. He's he's in the queue as we speak. Right, so I'm asking you, do you want me to hit his mic? <laughs> no, 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 you say that, sir. Or should I just play some music? Play some music. Oh, of course. Now, the Scott the Islander fan will like this as intro music because he's playing drum song. He hung up. He hung up. I asked you, should I go get it? And you were talking, 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 and now oh. we lost our first guest. Now, see, that's the problem, because I thought I'm calling him back. He's back. I thought back. we had him on hold. Grab him now before he does anything. But Don't he's... curse, you're on the air. <laughs> he... <laughs> he was in the queue. Let's call him live. Let's do this live. I think he's here. Is he here? I think I hung up on him. Is he here? Scott, are you here? Something's here. He's here, I, he, Cal. He's here. Put out, get out the nice china. I, I got, I got the biscotti. Get out, <laughs> get out the cookies. And we lost them. Son of a biscuit. Oh, I'm playing the music again. I don't care how unprofessional right, this show is. We're doing it. <laughs> do it. We're. Th this is how badly we want to talk Islanders. We're doing this. Okay, I'm calling him back and I'm putting him right in the show. There it is. There it is. That's for Arwen. He's gonna get very confused. Right. There he is. Call from Aragorn. <laughs> Will you accept the charges from Strider? <laughs> Let's welcome back to Ready to Unload. Welcome back to the program. Our old friend and my brother, Cal. You can't get more of an old friend than that. Always looking for the one ring. Yeah. Scott the Islander fan. Hi, Scott. Hi, guys. What's that? Whatever shall we talk about? Well, what, what, 
what shall we discuss? What what could we possibly want to want to discuss this evening? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Here's my advice, Solomon. I don't know about you, but uh I'm already in off the ledge. All right. I am uh I'm over last night's game. I don't know. I didn't get to listen to your open, so I don't know if you guys have uh have started talking about it, but you know, my take on it, it's game one. Uh talking Islanders Penguins, of course. I don't I don't know if that was completely obvious or not. Yeah. But uh so, all right, game one. Islander fan, so. You are Scott the Islander fan. We would hope that you didn't come on. And Here's the thing with the Habs, okay? Right. You know that uh, that P.K. Subban, he is uh, he is one heck of a player for the Habs. I don't there, know, you know what that's about, but the organization really had a tough night last night. Um, I, I agree, Scott. We are in off the ledge. Our, I, I can tell you our open was this, sloppy. <laughs> and had absolutely nothing to do with sports. <laughs> sports. I, that's how I can right. describe uh, the okay. Open. So but, your Open was basically like the Islanders' first game. It was sloppy. They were a little all over the place, you know, and we're going to bounce right back here. We're going to come and, right back. And like the Islanders, we made fun of you a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> Only a little, huh? We poked a little. We may have said the word mullet. I don't know. Just things happen. Wow. Just don't listen back. <laughs> it's probably good advice. When you when yeah, when you go to listen back, just take it from about four and a half minutes. Four thirty six is about the spot you want to come in at. Okay. Serious. Okay. On a serious note. Let's not, come in off the list, folks. Yeah, not good times last night. I think we these three, us three, have discussed this series a little bit before the game was played last night, but I think we all realistically did not expect the Islanders to win that game last night. Now we didn't expect them to get waxed, but with 13 players playing in their first ever playoff game against the number one seed on the road, a cup-tested team, um, and the average age of those 13 players I think is 22, um, it was would have been a tall order for them to pull off an upset in game one, Scott. But at what point when you were watching it did you feel – did you have the indigo, <laughs> indigo moment where it was getting away from us Fezzik? Yeah, the uh, the game is getting away from this moment. Really, with those two goals within 30 seconds in in the second period. Okay. Uh, you know that was when I thought that uh, the Penguins really just took it to another level, and the Islanders were scrambling to try and catch up with them. I mean, the third goal, kind of a scrambling goal. You've got uh, Nabby coming way out to try to challenge people. You've got people losing their check. You've got Martin losing a clearing attempt and getting stick checked, and then the puck's in the net. Right, and then you know, sort of 32 seconds later, you've got Pascal Dupuis, who evidently, if he could play every game against the Islanders, would be first ballot Hall of Famer. They might name the league the Pascal Dupuis League because <laughs> this guy just—I mean—he loves playing the Islanders. He's, he's approaching Yager-esque levels of Islander killing here. But you know, so 32 seconds later, Dupuis skates through the zone like he's on Dancing with the Stars and. That's across the crease and buries it. And at that point, you were like, okay, just regroup. Uh, and I think Capilano made the right call there. He, he pulled Nabby. He got pooling in there because it was evident that it just wasn't going to be their night. He gave the team a chance to settle it down and, and catch their breath a little bit. And really, the rest of the game after that was not that bad, all right? And and I think the Islanders definitely salvaged something there uh, from the rest of the game. That one goal that Poulin gave up, softy. Yeah, playoff, playoff rookie type goal, bad angle, surprised them, screen. You know those things happen. Every goalie gives them up, and especially 
uh, a rookie goalie playing in his first playoff game, as you say, Steve, in, in a, in a very difficult environment to play. Yeah. Who's also um, who's also played a, a grand total of three games in the last two months. Yeah, no, he's uh, <laughs> he's like the maze tag repairman at this point. I mean, they never they never call on him no. because Matthew's just been a workhorse there. But yeah. you know, again, you just watch the rest of the game, and you just want to be honest to to, to take what they could from him, right? To realize yeah. that. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it's funny. You hear lots of different things. I don't know about you guys. I didn't think the Islanders' problem last night was that they were, weren't were physical enough. I, I kind of thought it was the opposite. I kind of thought they were trying to be too physical. They were trying to send a message. They were trying to make hits. I totally agree. Even when the, even when the play didn't call for it. Yeah. Because I think they were just so amped up and jacked up and, and they wanted to show that they could play with these guys. But that's not how you play in the playoffs. You have nope. to be intense, but you can't be out of control. And the problem was... They got out of control on a bunch of plays. I mean, there was that one goal. I think Martin Zizekas hit the same guy. Yeah. And that left a couple guys wide open, and then the puck's yeah. in the net. And so you know, my take on it was let's learn. Let's uh, let's realize that we still have to play the same game we've been playing. We just have to play it better. We just have to play it more intense. I think they can do it. I mean, I, you know, it, this is all gravy at this point, guys. I mean, if, let me ask you this. At the beginning of the year, did you think this team was a playoff team? Well, no, I didn't. Steve did. Okay. So he so he I wins. <laughs> well, but you know, I mean, a laurel <laughs> and a hearty handshake. <laughs> well, one, one sec, Scott. One sec, Scott. Cal, I think Cal. Uh, Cal had you had something on something Scott was saying initially. Well, no, really. Uh, what I had, I wanted to get Scott's opinion, and you know, yours too, Steve. If you want to jump in, thanks, bud. But really, mainly Scott's. Scott, do you think they had five days to prepare for this game? And, and, and like we said, this is a young team. They've got no playoff experience whatsoever. And they had five days to just sit and think about what they were going into. Do you think that that factored into the way that they played last night? And do you think that the quicker turnaround to tomorrow, they only have one day between the two games, is going to work in their favor for tomorrow's game? you think they're going to come out with a better approach? Yeah, I, I think that's a great point, Cal. I think – you know, you're sitting in your room for five days. All you're doing is sitting each other. You're kind of amped up. You're kind of, you can't wait for it to get going. And I think that's what you saw. You saw a team that was really uh, almost playing with too much energy, almost playing with, with too much fire. Like they were just, they were out of control. They weren't sticking to the system. They weren't sticking to their assignments. They were running around the ice trying to do too much on every play. So, you know, maybe tomorrow night, they're a little fatigued from playing the night before. They've had some time to digest it, and uh, and they realize that they, they can't win the game on the first shift. They just have to sit back and play their game and, and match up where they can. That was – that was I. you guys are, to me, hitting the nail on the head. Like, that's exactly what I saw very early in that game, and that was this team sort of trying to manufacture the intensity that they thought a playoff game was. So none, you know, none of them have playoff experience. It's going to be super intense, and we have to. We got to be there. The building's going to. Be, we got to hit everything that moves, and we got to make sure that we finish our checks. And and you know, we we have to be super intense. Like, look how intense we are. It's the playoffs, you know. And they were almost trying, almost rather than just letting the playoff intensity and the game come to them, and sticking with their system. And you, you guys, that's that's definitely nail on the head because their system went out the window. The first 10, 15 minutes of the game, the system was nowhere. It was just hit anything that moves. Look at us. We're not going to get out hit today. 
We're not going to get out physical tonight in this hostile building. And, you know, they weren't clogging the zones in the neutral, you know, in neutral ice. They were, you know, guys were skating free. As you said, Scott, they weren't cutting down passing lanes. They weren't doing all the defensive things systematically that they've been doing leading yeah, up. Yeah, absolutely. It wasn't, it wasn't until, like, the, to me, guys, it wasn't until, like, the third period that they settled in. And once the game was sort of out of hand, you know, that, that you're not really going to come back in this game. They settled into their system, and they generated more scoring chances, and they played better defense, period. You know, and yeah, I, I, that's what it's going to take. And I think, the, Cal, I think the quick turnaround is a great point because it seemed to me they came out after those five days trying to imagine what playoff hockey was like and play to it rather than just actually playing playoff hockey. Right. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I think this is going to be a big test for, for Capilano and the coaching staff, too. I mean, part of it I kind of blame on Cappy. This is his first playoffs as well, and it seemed like his message in the locker room was, you know, your battle level needs to be high. If, if I had a nickel every time the guy says battle level, I could, I could start my own radio show. Um, it's, a, it's a Dungeons and Dragons. It, it really, every time he says it, I expect him to, like, have a beard and be, like, you know, John Reese Davies be like, your battle level has to be high. Yeah, and you know, he said it. You heard it in the press conference afterwards. But with, like, a, uh, with a Boston dialect, though. So, yeah, right. you know, right. <laughs> you got to work hard and work smart, and your battle level has to be high. And <laughs> wait, wait, what, what would a what would a dwarf with a <laughs> what would what would a Lord of the Rings dwarf with a with a Boston dialect? That would be fantastic. <laughs> I'm not even going to try to leave yeah. that to PJ and his instant impressions. You got to get um, the one. You got to get the one ring. I can't. I can't even. You can't do it. See, it's, your it's, battle level's got to be high. <laughs> I'll take your test, Herb. I can't. It's tough. I. I but can't. See, so, but I mean, you got to see what Capuano and the coaching staff does now to counteract yes. what the Penguins are trying to do. You saw them execute their system very well. You saw them get in on the four check, size of the puck down low. Get the puck up to the point. Oh, they were, they were, take the shot. They, they were, were very good on the breakouts. Well oiled right? machine. They That's were, it. They were the cup ready team. Absolutely. So you got to see what what Capuano is going to try to do to mix up the matchups a little bit. He doesn't have the last change, so it makes it difficult to get Tavares away from uh, Brandon Sutter and Brendan Morrow, who did an excellent job marking them. Yeah. Um, he's going to have to maybe double shift JT, get him onto some different lines, maybe mix up the combinations a little bit. Yeah. I think you saw last night. Uh, I don't, Cal, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of done with the first line at this point. I, I really think they need to shake that up. I mean, who do you think – all right, let me ask you this. Do you think that Boys or Molson should come off the first line, or do you think that you just need to give them some more time to get it together? Boys needs to go. I think that yeah. he's been, I think he's been a problem with this first line for the last month or so. Even when they were playing well, it was the second line of Oposo, Bailey, and, and Nielsen that were carrying them. And I think Boys is, is, is clearly the weak link on that first line. And I think they need somebody. I, we've, we've talked about this a lot, um, putting like a Matt Martin on the first line to protect John Tavares. You know? Yeah. We talked about, we talked about putting Grabner on the first line to just generate some more opportunities. You know, I would, I would stay away from breaking up that, that second line just because they've been so good. But I think they need to do something to shake it up. What do you guys think? No, I, I, I mean, I agree with you. The problem is their options are just limited at this point because you don't want to break up the bone line. You, Bailey and, and Oposo and Nielsen have been playing so well together. So you're yeah, really no, you, down yeah, to... You, you can't touch that. You're right. 
Right. Can't touch that. You're, you're really the, down to like three options, right, Steve? I mean, you're talking yep. Colin McDonald, yep. Matt Martin, Grabner. Or Grabner. The, I think the problem with Grab, Scott, I would move Grabner there in a heartbeat to the first line because you, – and you, you know, you've talked about this a lot. The idea that Grabner generates offense because he keeps a defense on their heels because they have to respect his speed. He's one of the fastest players in the NHL. And also, he's he's very good on the forecheck. He's a fantastic penalty killer. So he knows how to get into passing lanes. He knows how to anticipate a breakout pass. Um, and a defense has to respect his speed. If you can put him on the first line with JT, maybe you can generate uh, – and Molson – maybe you can generate some more offense because the defense has to be back at least a little bit on their heels. But your problem there, guys, is that what do you do with Brad Boyce? Scratch him. Yeah. You can, I, I mean, the I, guy was I'm active to, for all 48 games. doesn't matter. I'm ready to, it's to scratch him for Olstrom. Ah. I'm ready to scratch him for Yoensu at this point. You know, well, Yoensu should, should be in there for a reason or anyway. So. Well, yeah, I mean, that's going to happen. I think that if there's two lineup changes for Friday, to me – one is maybe sitting straight, uh, straight down because he doesn't look like he's all the way back from the ankle. And yeah. maybe trying to Martinez, who can skate, smart guy, positional. Not great, not as physical as you might like, but just seems to be playing a little bit better. I wouldn't put Kartner in there because he'll just be a pylon because the Penguins are so fast. And then I think the other one is who do you put in for Reasoner? Because I think I- he's got to Yeah, I think I, – I mean, I understand why Reasoner was there in game one, right, guys? I mean, you have to get a guy yeah. – you had to have somebody with some playoff experience, and P.S. He had the most goals in the playoffs of anybody for the Islanders playing last night, with with six. Uh, you know, which you you, you play that against uh, Malkin, who has like a hundred and seventy or something. Right. We're like not exactly talking Gretzky levels of production here. You know? Right. You know, I think Malkin has like eighty-two goals or something like that in the playoffs. Something ridiculous. But Chris Letang um, had something like. 25 or 30 goals yeah. on the play. So, I mean, you know, I know why Marty Reasoner was in the lineup last night, and frankly, he wasn't bad. It's not yes, like he was terrible. And he wasn't no, terrible. he was terrible. You just, people just do not care for him. No, but two stupid penalties, Steve. The stupid one at the end of the game, which was just inexcusable, and the stupid tripping penalty in the in, in the first period. I'm sorry. You can't – you're the defensive yeah. uh, specialist. No, I know, I know. You can't you're, be taking right. no penalties. You're he the veteran. You're supposed to Yesi Yoansu. It used Yesi. to be Jesse. Yeah. Oh yeah. When do we make when do you make that change? Cognitive like when do you go from being Jesse to be like, you know what? No. The J is silent. I, I think he had the J, J converted to a yeah, I think he had the J converted to a Y over in Europe. Right. Last season. Oh, that's the right. The that he had done. Cal, you're absolutely right. The second They're all all of them are silent. It's Yesi Yoansu. Right. Yeah. I don't care what his name is, get him in the lineup. Because he's big, he's physical, he's young, and he doesn't care. You know, the other thing (laughs) is that when they went on this run during the last month of the season, the lineup was pretty much the same every night. He didn't really make too many changes. So I don't know why he felt the need to overthink and make such, such drastic changes last night. But I think, you know, I guess it's, it's part of, of the overall theme that this entire team needs experience in the playoffs. Not just the players, but the coaches, too. Yeah, well, I think that's right. I think a more veteran coach maybe has the confidence to not tweak the lineup like that and just kind of leave it alone and, and yeah, trust that the Capuano's. team is going to play well. It was Capuano's first game, too. 
I mean, it was his first playoff game, too. This is a guy who had been an IHL coach for 100 years. Well, he's not that old. But he had been an IHL coach for a long time. He's only been an NHL coach for, what, three years? You know, uh, this was his first game, too, a learning experience for him. You know, hey, guys, I have a great one for you. Like, we, we could talk about, you know, game two tomorrow night. We're going to game three on Sunday. Oh, Wait. yeah, that's right. It's going to be RT hot action. Represent. RT will be in the stands there. Um. Uh, for a 12 o'clock game, hey, thanks, NHL. Good thanks, job, everybody. Thanks, NBC. Ugh. And, of course, let's schedule the Long Island Marathon. Like, as if Nassau County could not make the Islanders feel any more like they were unwanted. You have a story come out yesterday, and which I guarantee you came out of MSG and out of the gulag over there. Sure. Because uh, I have it on good authority that nothing is changing. Not the Islanders' logo, not their colors. So this this rumor that came out that the Islanders are going to change their logo and colors coincidentally on the day they're playing their first playoff game in six years is no coincidence, folks. All right? I don't have the tinfoil out, and I'm not playing Oliver Stone. Okay? That was released to put a damper on the Islanders being in the playoffs. That's A. And B, did you guys see the news today about the Rangers uh, minor league team is one of the possible replacement tenants at the Nassau Coliseum? Yep. Yes, I did. Absolutely. So, good. You guys can all go and get asbestos poisoning. Just knock yourselves out because that building should be condemned and the neighborhood is like a demilitarized zone, much like the Ghostbusters headquarters. Um, I mean, yeah. I think the whole thing is a it's a joke, really. Yeah, it's, 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 it's all a sham because yeah. they're going to have the same problem that Wong had, which is that no development is going to get approved over there because the town of Hempstead doesn't want anything built over yep. there. They don't want any kind of – look, it's it's really funny to me. If you look at the proposals that they're all entertaining now, all of them look really, really similar to what Wong was trying to do. Yep. Developed, mixed use, shopping, offices, all that stuff. Well, what's changed? What makes any of them think that the town of Hempstead is going to approve any of that stuff? I, I have no idea. But it's all, it's all nonsense. It's all coming out uh, and all being leaked coincidentally while the Islanders are enjoying their first – you know, playoff game in seven years. So, whatever. I don't care. Big, you know, huge game tomorrow night. I think they have a better effort. I think they come out with a little more fire. I think the the, the one day off, you wear it, you, you got blown out, you wear it, you move on. That's it. You you know, you, you wear it for the 24 hours, and then you got to move on. Um, supposedly, they had a really good practice tonight. Maybe Nabby doesn't have a concussion, hopefully, because he took a 115-mile-an-hour puck off the face. On the second, you know, shot of the game, and I'm not. Yeah, he, broke broke his helmet. Broke his helmet. helmet. I mean, you can't make excuses for the guy, but he certainly looked shaken up after that. Um, a little scrambly, just like the rest of the team, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I have a great one for you guys, though. I want to ask you about this, and then we're gonna let you run, Scott, because I know you got to get some rest. Um, so I want to I want to put this to you guys. So we all know our our buddy Kev, right? Uh, used to be a very big Islander fan, now has sort of let the team go a little bit, but he keeps an eye on them. You know, he keeps very busy with his Giants. Uh, he's a Met fan as well. But he, he grew up a very grew up with us, very big Islander fan, um, and he keeps an eye now. You know, he'll watch a playoff game or whatever. But his nephew, Owen, is a huge Islander fan. Is that uh, is that his, the older brother's kid, Steve? That's Ed's, yeah, that's Ed's boy. Yeah, Ed's kid. Ed's oldest. And uh, he made his communion on Sunday. 
and he was running down for Kevin who they play, depending on what seed they were going to get <laughs> and what matchups that they wanted. Like, that's the kind of fan that he is. What's he eight? Love it. He's eight. Yeah. And he's telling Uncle Kev, if we get the five, we really want the six. He said, because I think we match up really, he's saying this, I think we match up really well with the Capitals. We don't want the eight. Okay, because Uncle Kev, I don't want to play the Penguins. This is what he's saying, eight years old. And <laughs> I, I was, love it. That's I, was think, I was thinking of him last night while I was watching the game. Now, Cal, you had a softball game, couldn't watch the game live. Scott, you're uh, on business. You were, like, forced to hopefully catch it in the hotel room. You didn't even have a DVR at your disposal. I I did catch it it in the hotel room, and I'm glad I did. Right. Because they had it on at the bar downstairs, and there were a bunch of Yinzer fans down there screaming every time they scored a goal. And it might have got ugly. So I was was happy to be in my room. So, you, you, but you, you know, you're on the road. You're not in the comforts of your own. Uh, Last night, I had to DVR it. I I watched it once, uh, you know, Wes and Teresa were in bed. And it got me to thinking, A, I was thinking about Owen and this blowout and this poor kid going to sleep so sad, like just destroyed because he takes these losses. Ed says, like uh, Kevin's brother Ed says, the kid won't go to sleep. Like he can't even sleep. The night before a game, he's up. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, awesome. about, all right, I'm thinking about him watching this game. And then I started thinking, you know what? We watched the Islanders win those four Stanley Cups. We were 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, like that. Scott, I think you were like, you know, uh, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13. Yes, I know. I'm the older brother. I get it. No, 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 no. I'm the older brother. I get it. I'm the old guy. I get that's it. Not, that's not where I'm going here, old man. Okay? Check your hearing aid. Just let me finish the story. All right? Put your walker down. Okay? And let me fi- just fix your hip. And let me finish the story. All right? With your carpal tunnel, just let me finish the story. And your arthritic elbow. Um, Anyway, I'm thinking that's a better time. He he had nothing last night, Owen. He had nothing. He had no responsibilities. He had nothing. All he could do all day was look forward to the game. And then he can watch it in uninterrupted glory. He had nothing. Like, we we lament, Cal, we've done it a number of times. We lament the fact that the Mets were good when we were younger. You know, that they were, that the 80s, and, you know, we've never seen the Mets win a World Series when we were grown-ups or whatever. I say wrong. If the Mets were in the World Series this year, okay, just hold the laughter down. I wouldn't I'm I'm gonna have a newborn. Like I wouldn't I can't what am I gonna do? I can't watch that live. I've got responsibilities. I'm saying that's the golden age. That's the time. That's 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 that that kid had nothing to do last night except live for that game and watch it with a purity we cannot watch it with anymore. So basically what you're saying then is if he had nothing else to look forward to, and then that's what he had to watch, do we really want to be doing that to our eight-year-olds? No, I'm not talking about the result. I'm just talking about the fact that he doesn't have to, at best, when he turns like 11 or 12, he's going to have some homework. 
and then he watch it, he gets it, and we don't know what a joke that is, and he gets to go watch the Islander game. Uninterrupted in PJs, maybe even. I'm just saying. What do you think, Scott? That's the golden age, right? Uh, to me, I I think that is the golden age because that's when the the lifelong love that you have for your team really starts. And you hear about it all the time. Like you hear about older Yankee fans who talk about when they were a kid and they got to watch Mickey Mantle and, and that's why they love the team so much. And you talk about uh, Jets fans who got to see Namath and, they're, and that's why they still love the Jets. And I think that's one of the tragedies of this of this Islanders team is they've lost a whole generation of those fans on Long Island. And that's why they have to move right now. Because you and me and Cal had the 80s, and then there was nothing. There was 20 years of just a wasteland. And they lost that whole generation. And now they're finally coming back. But, you know, they're going to have to come back with a different a different group of fans to, to be successful, right? So I, you're, I think you're absolutely right. It's the golden age. Remember the Easter epic and staying up late and listening on the radio. On the radio. The seven yeah. period to hockey, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you're going to remember that your whole life. Yeah, you don't forget that stuff. And you didn't have to go do your taxes or put the kids down or you know right. you didn't you didn't have any of those responsibilities. You just get to Cal in '86. Yeah, we I watched every game, every pitch. Literally, I watched every game. Well, except for the games that we were in school, but yeah, would take the day off. That's not true. <laughs> I took five. <laughs> In okay, April, I took five sick days in April and May in seventh grade. I'm not kidding. And stayed he's, home and watched that actually, game. He's actually telling the truth there. He That's was, right. He, we, we had a very liberal mother, Cal. I mean, she yeah. let us get away with murder sometimes. Well, well that's true. And uh, <laughs> our grandmother who was with us was a Mets fan. I mean, it was, that's right. he was watching the game with me. You definitely have a cough and you feel feverish. You stay in home nice. <laughs> One ten, let's, get some, let's get some chicken soup into you. Let's get that Steve Zabriskie on. Let's go. There you go. Right. <laughs> and that Ralphie let's... Martini. Um, I just, I just, that occurred to me that uh, this is, this is, uh, that's like a great, like I always lament the fact that my teams haven't won as I've been an adult. But you know what? There's, uh, I can't watch them now. I had to DVR them and watch it at ten o'clock at night and be quiet when they, you know, and not curse and scream out loud when they gave up that first goal on a cheap power play eh, because I got sleeping kids in the house. Or yeah, I mean, I think I think what it is, Steve, is when you're a kid, you don't have that sense of perspective. That's like the most important thing. Is and, it your can, and it can, and, and it's okay that it can. And be. it's okay, exactly. Yeah. You don't have to worry about paying the bills or getting everybody off the practice. When you're an adult, you know that sports are, it's the toy box, it's the toy room, it's, it's fun, it's, it, but at the end of the day, it's, it's not what's important. You know, exactly. what's important is, you, is your family and, and, and you know, the, the big things in life. Yeah. Sports is just there to be fun. But when you're a kid, God, it means the whole world. It's the whole world. And, and I agree. That's the golden age. Yeah, it really is. All right, we're going to let you run, Scotty. we got to get to uh, Artie. Uh, our buddy Artie is waiting to talk next. So Really? Enjoy. Yeah. Yeah, we're I'm gonna go eat some. Uh, I'm gonna go have some honey nut Cheerios, and I'm gonna go to bed. And uh, you know, I'll, I'll hopefully you guys have a great rest of the show. Thank you, brother. All right, Scott the Islander fan. Thanks, bro. Thanks, Scott. All right, bye, guys. Thank you. We'll see you Sunday, brother. At the, oh at yeah, the, at the old barn. Can't wait. I'm bringing It'll the bagels awesome. night. Cal's bringing the Baileys. There we go. All good. <laughs> All good. See you Sunday, brother.
All right, bye-bye. Bye. All right. So, uh, yeah, Cal, that, that occurred to me. Just By the way, Cinco de Mayo on Sunday also. Let's not forget that. Right. So the Long Island Marathon, Cinco de Mayo, roads closed, uh, Mexican fiestas everywhere. Right. In a hockey game at noon. In a hockey game at noon, everybody. First playoff hockey game at the Coliseum in seven years. We've uh, The entire island has been waiting for the Well, half of the island has been waiting for that. And they got to roll out of bed and go to a hockey game. They roll out of bed and go to a hockey game. I got to get to the parking lot. I got to fight through uh, crowds of runners right. and closed roads. And... Uh, <laughs> Cerveza everywhere, flowing through the streets, piñatas. i got to flow through all this for a 10 o'clock start. It's earlier than a Sunday afternoon NFL game. That's right. I can't I can't even in good conscience have a beer in the parking lot before that because it's 11 o'clock in the morning. Well. I, 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 you, know, I, you know my rule at a jet tailgate. Yes, I know. No beers till 11.30. I know. Well, at 11.30, they'll be doing the, uh, the national anthem. That's right. They'll be doing the announcements. All right. We're going to move on to uh, the Knicks. What do you say? Let's move this thing along. For the first time this year. For the first time. <laughs> All right. We're going to, I'm using some of the, uh, I'm using the song from the, mo- from the movie that our buddy wrote. From Fat. Benny's movie that you Fat don't believe. That you don't believe is real, but it's real. It's almost it's it's almost completed. I'll believe it when I see it. You're gonna see it. Anyway, on Facebook, search for Fat the Movie. This is a song called "What a Difference a Drug Makes." Very very. This, this movie's gonna have a fantastic soundtrack. But uh, check out Fat the Film uh, and um, like it on Facebook. All right, here he is. It's been a while, Cal. It's been a while for this guy. Making his triumphant return. Who I have decided I am just going to call Lando from now on. That's it. I'm calling him Lando. His last name is way too difficult for me to say. I'm kidding, Artie. I'm kidding. I kid. I kid you. We kid each Look, other. Not, not for nothing, I, I, I find it hilarious that I'm being segued in with my Latino heritage to talk of Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> Are you Latino? I am. I, I purely coincidence, Artie. I did not know I, I, that. I'm sure it was. I'm absolutely sure it was. <laughs> yes, I am Latino. Wow. I am the worst Latino ever. <laughs> <laughs> I am a Latino that so does not know Spanish. <laughs> I am a Latino who sings in a rock band <laughs> and who has lasted longer than one full period watching hockey. That's I'm telling you, they're gonna take your card away. I don't know if there is one, but they're gonna take it. You're bad at being Latino. I'm horrible at being Latino. I want you to. I want. That's fantastic. I want you to. Uh, I hope you describe yourself as that at some point. Like, I, I, yeah, I'm Latino, I but I'm really good at. Many a person, I am the worst Puerto Rican in the world. <laughs> I'm not even making this up. My grandmother, bless her soul. Banned me from Puerto Rico when I was eight years old. Oh wow! Banned you because I did not know Spanish. She took me aside. She looked at me right in the eye, <laughs> and she says to me, "Mira, tú no come back to Puerto Rico until you learn español." And you didn't know what "mira" means. You didn't know that meant look. I, I, 
I didn't know that until high school Spanish. <laughs> wow. I'm like, you cool. I was banned? <laughs> Banished. But Artie, yeah. you were you were eight. It's been a long time since you were eight. You've had a lot of opportunity. A lot of opportunity. To lift that ban. Wait, Cal, are you saying he's lazy? No. <laughs> Cal. <laughs> we're in dangerous territory here now. <laughs> no, I, I'm... Rosetta Stone is only like ten years old. So, <laughs> right. I mean... So he's basically Geno Smith at this point. He's just lazy with a bad work. Don't get me started. I thought you brought me on here to talk about the Knicks. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about the Knicks, Artie. Let's talk about the Knicks. Why not? What is going on? Um, Well, there's a few things going on, to be completely honest with you. Um, You know, uh, if, you know, you're up three nuns, and uh, J.R. Smith inexplicably decides to go thug life and, um, you know, <laughs> hit Jason Perry with an elbow. He gets suspended. You can, exclu- you can excuse the loss in game four uh, for the simple fact that, you know, they're operating without their second leading score. Um, you know, they're up 3 nothing, so there's a natural letdown. Um, I don't think anybody really expected when this series started for the Knicks to sweep the Celtics. Um, so you figure you give them one game. And to be honest with you, the Knicks had their chance in that game. They took that, you know, they were down big. Uh, they came back, tied the game up, sent it to overtime, and all of a sudden, um, you know, they lose the game in overtime because Jason Terry gets hooked back up to the rejuvenation machine and does what Jason Terry likes to do. Um, now, I believe it was a foregone conclusion that the Knicks would take care of business yesterday, which included the brilliant idea to show up to Madison Square Garden in a funeral procession dressed all in black because the Celtics didn't need any more motivation going into this game. And really sensitive with everything going on in Boston. Good good, good job, guys. Good thinking. Let me tell you something. And and this is, as of, I heard you guys talking about fandom and, you know, your support of your teams and going back to, if I had not grown up with, Patrick Ewing, Charles Oakley, uh, Gerald Wilkins, um, uh, Trent you know, Tucker, Nate, John Stark, Trent Tucker, Brian Quinnett, um, Anthony you know, Mason, Brian Quinnett, the know, worst basketball player in the history of the NBA. I've been a lifelong fan of the team. If you just dropped me down out of the sky and said, this is the team, this is the New York Knicks, and you evaluated them, this is one of the most unlikable groups of people <laughs> you true. would ever want to meet. It really is ever. true. Who's that? It's like, you look at it. I mean, you have Tyson Chandler, you have Jason Kidd, quality citizens, great leaders. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa, whoa, whoa. 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 Right there. As Jason Kidd, a quality citizen? He of the DUI and, and assault on his wife. All right, that aside... That aside, he's a great guy. <laughs> if it wasn't for all that drinking, he wouldn't be an alcoholic. I mean, let's exactly, be honest. Exactly, you know, it's a sickness. No, um, but I, Tyson Chandler is an extraordinarily likable guy. There are, and and I think Amari is too. I think Amari is, I think Amari is a likable player on this team. And then you have like Novak, and like who can be mad at Novak? Who can be mad? That's like being mad, right? That's like, like being mad at your dog. Mad at Novak. You can't, you know, you can't get mad at your dog. Look how adorable your dog is. 
Look at Novak. And Raymond Felton seems likable. I mean, the guy looks like he hasn't lifted a weight his entire life, yet he's a professional athlete. I mean... Best move he made away from the... It's it's Carmelo, it's J.R. Smith, and it's Kenny Martin. The three of those guys you look at and just, it's just like, you know, they're just... They're hard to root for. Is there is is it a coincidence that they replaced Rashid Wallace with Kenyon Martin, or was there a quota they needed to fill on this team <laughs> of crazy? Oh, because they were ready to go to war with both of them. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. That's a lot of crazy. Yeah, but the, you know I what? Mean, though, yeah, yeah. I've heard I've heard that Rashid Wallace is, uh, and I'm not I'm not even I've heard this I've read this in a couple of places this coming into this season that he's. That rumors of him being completely crazy are a little over, overdone. Like he's he's that way on the court, but off the court, supposedly he's a very good teammate. He's a very good citizen. He just hates referees, right? I mean, I've read that he's like a, a thoughtful guy. Off the court, he's a great teammate. You know, he works hard in practice. Like I've heard that that's sort of a game time persona, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, and I think with a lot of professional athletes, I think the switch kind of goes off when you hit the uh, right. court, the field, whatever. And I mean, how many times do you hear about football players that oh, the guy's a teddy bear in the locker room right. and on off the field, rip somebody, but yet he wants to rip your head off when you know <laughs> when the game starts. Uh, I think whose idea, who's idea was the funeral thing? Do we know? Um, nobody's coming right out and saying. I mean, I the one thing I read it was it was Kenyon. But then I also heard something along the lines of that this was something that that kid and Tyson did in Dallas, Dallas. and they brought it to the Knicks. Yeah. Um, which just dumb. okay, it, it's it was dumb. Uh, bottom line, we can we can analyze it as much as we want. It was dumb. It was a dumb move on their part. It was insensitive considering what happened recently in Boston, and it was also unnecessary to motivate Boston, and, you know, there's something to be said for billboard material. Uh, this Boston team is not a talented team. Well, You're yeah. missing Ray Rondo. Right, yeah. Paul Pierce and, and Kevin Garnett are way past their prime. And um, injured. <laughs> and injured. Um, Jeff Green is nothing more than a fourth or fifth banana, and he's playing like modern-day Scotty Pippen all of a sudden. Um they are operating without a point guard at all. Take away Rajon Lando. They don't even have somebody the caliber of Pablo Prigioni running the point for that team. Um, so there's uh, there's a distinct problem with orchestrating the offense. And points are going to be hard to come by in this series anyway because both these teams play decent defense. Um, you know, the strong defensive principles being implemented by both teams. They're defense-first oriented. So points are going to be hard to come by. Where but the Knicks are making a huge tactical mistake here is the lack of ball movement. There are stretches where this team just stands around and watches the Carmelo Anthony, J.R. Smith, and one mixtape tour. <laughs> where these guys are just dribbling the basketball around, dribbling it down to five seconds, and then just taking wild, uh, low-percentage shots. And it goes on entirely way too long. And where the Knicks were really successful yesterday, if you're watching the game, uh, was in situations when Felton was putting the ball on the floor, driving to the basket, creating contact, creating fouls, 
Uh, you saw Melo do it a couple of times. Uh, Amon Shumpert, who I think has had a very good series. Shumpert has been one of the unsung heroes in this series with his defense and with the, the 10 to 12 points he's been chipping in a game. Uh, Shumpert has played very well in this series. Um, well, already was. No, no, I was going to say, why, why do you think they get away from that? Do you, is, it, is it that the Celtics just get into their head and take them off their game? Or, is it, or you know, they, they seem to slip into these lapses where they get away from, from that successful basketball that's got them to this point. Uh, with, I think a lot of it with Melo has to do with the fact that when the team is going through a shooting slump, Melo takes it upon himself to try and shoot them out of it, which is great when Melo is hot. And it is completely counterproductive the last two games when he has taken about, I don't know, 60 shots and made probably about 25% of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's just completely – J.R. Smith's game is J.R. Smith's game. It, the guy is Chuck and Duck. He's modern-day John Starks. I've always felt this way. He's the kind of guy you love to have on your team when he's hot, and he's the kind of guy you want to get as far away from the arena when he's not. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, with that – I, you know, with this kind of a situation, I really need to point the finger at at two guys in particular, Raymond Felton and Mike Woodson. Raymond Felton is the point guard on the floor. He needs to take control of that team. He's done it at points. He has not done it the last two games where he has taken control of the team, seized control of the basketball, and orchestrated the offense the way that it needs to be orchestrated. Yeah. Um, and Mike Woodson is honestly the – he should be the be-all, end-all as far as how this is going because he's the head coach and he's implementing the game plan. And he's basically in these long stretches rolling the ball out there for J.R. Smith and Carmelo Anthony to basically be left to their own devices. And it's going to be – look, I expect the Knicks to win game six. I, I think that – You do. Um, this was, I believe that this was a slap-in-the-face game for them yesterday. Um, I feel as though – they're taking a long look in the mirror as far as what's going on. I think there's enough of a veteran presence with Tyson Chandler, Jason Kidd, uh, Marcus Camby, uh, and Rashid Wallace is still hanging around this team. You know, you saw him yesterday mm-hmm. yeah. uh, on the bench. Um, you know, there's enough of a veteran team of guys who have been there, have gone to the mountaintop, who knows what it takes to get to it, that I think it's going to get through, and I fully expect them to win game six. Now I'm going to do my best Stephen A. Smith here and say, you don't want to go to game seven. <laughs> Artie, let me You don't let me want ask to you. play Paul Pierce in the game seven. <laughs> Stephen A., let me, now you're really acting like him because I, I, I probably wouldn't be able to ask you a question. My See, closest personal friend, Paul Pierce, <laughs> who I love deeply. Listen, listen, brother. Listen, I'm, I'm always waiting for Stephen A. to go, listen, brother Pierce. Like it's always, I can't, I can't listen to that guy. I can't, I can't, I can't do it. This it's team just, does not want to go to a game seven against the Celtics because no. all the pressure goes on the Knicks, blowing a three game, three to nothing lead, and getting to that point. You do not want to get to that yeah, it's, game. It's, you don't want to get to that. It's the Kenny point. Rogers, right? It's the Kenny Rogers on the mound. Uh, you know, Johnny Davis hey, hit a grand slam. It's that game. Exactly. You don't, you don't, you don't want that whole scenario, and that will be the most tense. Madison Square Garden, Sunday, whenever time they decide to put the game on, will be the most uncomfortable place on the planet. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. college's offices will not be as uncomfortable <laughs> as Madison Square Garden will be. It will be more comfortable than Madison Square Garden. <laughs> Using the whole fist there, Doc? Um, yeah. 
the uh, let me ask you a question. I heard something that I thought was really interesting, and I want to get your opinion of it. I think it was Peter Vesey uh, tonight on WFAN was talking to Steve Summers, and he said, um, he said, you know, the Knicks are a far more talented team than the Celtics. He expects them to close them out in Game Six as well. But, and I thought this was really spot on. They're so much more of a talented physical team, but the Celtics are so much more talented mentally than them. And, yeah, I'm and, so glad you brought that up because I, when I was thinking about the stuff that I was going to talk to you guys about today, I, I, that was one of the things that I wanted to, to bring up. This Nick team is so weak mentally that it's almost alarming um, yeah. as far as uh, how easily they allow the Celtics to get into their head. The, the fact that you can let somebody like Jordan Crawford Right. Get into your head. And this guy has not played a second in in two games. Yeah. That you can let him play into your head and get you off your game and make you act irrationally is alarming. And this isn't the first time that this has happened. And the Celtics are masters of it. But um, Archie, I don't under, I don't understand how this team allows that. You just you talked about the veteran presence on this team. The guys that have been there before, guys that have been in the league for so long and have heard it all and have seen it all, how? Why are they letting this get to them? I think. I think. Look know. at the guys who look at the yeah. guys who they're getting in their heads. Yeah. Jr. Jr. and Mello. These are two. You know, yeah, but 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 at what but at what point does a Jason Kidd or or a Kenyon Martin or, yeah. or or a Marcus Camby from the bench come over and and get in, in Carmelo's face and say, Hey, listen, knock it right, off, Cal. get yep. it out of your head. Yeah. That's why these I, guys are I, here. I have to hope that is happening. Um, I, or or are they intimidated by him? Maybe. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, there is something to said for the alpha dog syndrome, the fact that this is Melo's team. He is clearly the star of this team. Um, this team will only go as far as Carmelo shoots them. Um, so, I, you know, it's... Yeah, it, I can it, see... I need, I need the to most see uncomfortable part of this too. team, how mentally... We, and it also says something for what happens in the event that they do get past the Celtics. You obviously don't want to look too far ahead right now, but in the event they do get into a series against a team like Indiana, who is a very physical team. Um, yeah. And again, and smart. Further Basketball down the road, like you're you. looking at uh, Boston, Brooklyn... Um, that team with that guy in Florida. I've heard of him. Headband in the receding hairline. The Magic? His name right now. <laughs> the Magic. <laughs> the Magic? Yeah. <laughs> Jameer um, Nelson. Yeah, you're yeah. right, Jameer Nelson. Um, <laughs> it's, it, I think the Celtics have sort of, I mean, they've physically done it too, but they've sort of intellectualized their way back into this series because their basketball IQ is so much greater than the Knicks. Absolutely. And they're better coached. I mean, I like Mike Woodson. Don't get me wrong, but Doc is uh, Doc in, Rivers is one of the top five coaches in the NBA in the league. And they play the mental game like no. I mean, Gar between Garnett and they play the mental game like no. Now, take me real quick. Take us to Game Six. Tell me what this team needs to do uh, on the floor. But tell me what you want to see. What do you, how do you want to how do you want to see Game Six going? What do they need to do? Um, they need to jump out early. Um, okay. I think the longer they let I think the longer they let the Celtics hang around, or God forbid, they even let the Celtics jump out to a fast start. 
Um, I have a feeling that this is going to be a very difficult situation for them to deal with because um, TD Center is going to be loud. Fans are going to be into it. The Knicks need to get off to a very good start, a very fast start. I think Melo needs to come out there. He needs to put up – he needs to have one of those – where the Knicks really get off quickly, Melo's getting off quickly. And it's not unusual to see him have a 15 to 16-point quarter to start yeah. the game. He needs an That's FU game. That's what the Knicks need to do. He does. They need he to needs balance to. that crowd as quickly as possible, and they need to reestablish themselves as the more talented team, which they are. They yeah. are the more talented team. He needs a Simmons um, FU you know, game. And from a, from a tactical standpoint, they need to move the ball around so they can get some clearer open looks. This is a team that's been living and dying off of three-pointers. Oh. The best way to get three-pointers is off of ball movement, creating space, creating openings, and being able to uh, get open looks at jump shots, which they have not done. So my hope is that if the Knicks want to get – if the Knicks want to – they need to send a message early, they need to move the ball around, and they need to take the crowd out of this early. Okay, and now do you think that's going to happen? <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I, I, like everything I, I have to stand by here. what I said when I first got up. I fully expect the Knicks to win this game. So if that's what I'm saying needs to get done, I'm going to have to assume that is what's going to happen. That's what uh, we if see. not, we're going to be at Madison Square Garden on Sunday, and it is going to be oh, well, okay. quite Let me uncomfortable. Let me ask you, can they win a game seven? No, oh, absolutely. It's on their home court. Um, you know, it, and, it'd be um, tense, It'd be tense. It's going to be tense. It would definitely be <laughs> tense. Would be, and this is a would... veteran ball club that they're playing against that has been yep. there and done that. Um, so, yes, it will be very tense. But um, they absolutely can win a game seven. Anybody can win a game seven. It's it's, yeah. it's a it's a flip coin game. Yeah. Um, obviously, momentum, it's not like baseball where momentum is next is your next day's pitcher. Um, you know, momentum in a series in basketball does carry some clout. But you know what? The Knicks had all the momentum going into game, going into game four. Yeah. And J.R. Smith elbowed it away. Um, <laughs> and uh, this is where we're at right now. But I, I think I will obvi- I feel a lot better about their chances in Game 6 than I do in Game 7. But they can obviously win Game 7 just simply on the fact that it's on their home court. Artie, do you make any lineup changes, any rotation changes? Um, well, they're going to be forced to make somewhat of a slight rotation change because Steve Novak is not going to play right. Game 6. Right. Um, but Novak wasn't getting a lot of minutes to begin with and was clearly ineffective for the second straight playoffs in a row um, because Novak is, once again, a guy who benefits off of ball movement and open space, and you're going to stay with the one guy who basically his only purpose in life is to shoot a basketball. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't think they're going to miss Steve Novak in this game. Um, who gets I've the burn in this, his spot? I've been saying this for weeks. I would like to see Tyson Chandler and Kenyon Martin on the court at the same time. At the same time. Because I severely doubt Kevin Garnett's tomfoolery is going to continue if both those guys are on the floor. Shenanigans? Yes. <laughs> yeah, but are you going to have them both on the floor uh, without Carmelo? Or are you going to put Carmelo at the three at that point? I'm going to play Carmelo at the three. I mean, he doesn't that's like another that. reason why Carmelo is getting off the run star. Brandon Bass, who's been guarding him for most of this series, is beating Carmelo up. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, he doesn't like playing the three, though, Cal, right? No. Uh, you know what? Suck it up. Because that, I, I agree with you. I'd like to see those two guys on the court at the same time, too. Uh, I, I like Melo's chances a lot better against Paul Pierce than I do against Brandon Bass. Brandon Bass is so physical with Melo, and it gets into his head. It gets into his head. You can tell he tries to force things because he's trying to 
beat Brandon Bass when he's on him. That doesn't seem like the most difficult thing to get into. We're not talking about Fort Knox here. No, no, absolutely (laughs) not. He's a mental midget when it comes to this. It doesn't seem like Carmelo's head is the most difficult space to occupy. No. It's like it's like Evangeline billboards out in L.A. I mean, it's it's not. There's plenty of space available. Hey, Artie, how much of it? How much of it do you think is Carmelo just being tight because of the reputation that he has of not being a big game player and not being able to get out of the first round? Do you think that's weighing on him in this series? Um. It might a little bit, but to be completely honest with you, I haven't seen too much of a difference between the way Carmelo plays in the playoffs as he does in the regular season. I mean, he's still attempting to score the ball the same way. I mean, it's not unusual to see Melo go through droughts, four shots. I mean, the only difference might be at this point uh, more physical play in the playoffs, uh, Mm -hmm. more physical defense coming from the other team. So uh, he's not getting his shots as easily as he would have gotten them in the postseason, in the the regular season. So, I mean, I think, yes, obviously there might be a little bit of tightness there simply because of the scale of what it is that we're dealing with. It may not get better now that they are slowly letting this slip away from them. Um, So he really does need to get off to a good start tomorrow um, to kind of get this thing going in the right direction. Um, But I I think, you know, I, I, I don't think he's doing anything different Right, offensively than what he's tried in the regular season. Yeah. All right. Well, Artie, we're gonna let you run, but before we do, uh, uh, how you doing, man? How's everything going? We haven't talked to you in so long. Everything good? Everything is well. I mean, you know, uh, I'm still, uh, I'm still around. Uh, you know, I've been uh, busy, w- busy with the music stuff. Uh, yeah. How's that going? Music is going very well. I, um, I'm doing. Uh, I just started a brand new project now called "We'll Always Have Paris," and um, oh, nice. I like uh, that. just started the songwriting process. Working with a lot of really good musicians, probably the best musicians I've worked with since I started doing this. Sweet. Um, so that's been really fun, and it's a completely different style. I've kind of gotten away from the metal thing now, and right. I'm doing uh, something a little bit more, I guess, suiting of my suitable of my age. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, something uh, a little. You and I'm actually singing in a cover band now because Long Island is apparently the place where uh, cover bands thrive, and uh, oh yeah, it's been it's been it's been a little bit more fun than I thought it would be. I'm so used to writing my own. Uh, Steve, you could probably relate to me with this writing your own stuff. Yep. Uh, and and then um, now, kind of all of a sudden, now I'm singing other people's songs. Um, but it's been kind of fun. Cover Some bands of songs are songs I never thought that I was going to cover or sing, and uh, yeah. and wow. it's, uh, it's and people actually liking them. So yeah, that, you, those uh, are the. Gig- I'm getting a little bit of both. I'm I'm getting the enjoyment of playing out live, uh, doing the cover stuff, yeah. uh, and I'm getting the enjoyment of creating some stuff with the new band. So it's it's been fun. Music's been going well. I'm spending time with my daughter and uh, awesome. and uh, you know trying to make some money. You know, yeah, so the cover. It's, co- been, uh, it's been good. Uh, I haven't forgotten about you guys. I still listen to the podcast every oh, now and you. then when I get a chance, and uh, you know I see that you guys are uh, you guys have come a long way since Hardy and Yad Hank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. Yeah, I was going to say the cover gigs are great. Those are the gigs I used to, you know, uh, show up to, and you just don't have to worry about anything. You just go out there and have nah. a great time, and you have to worry about people liking your music or selling CDs or whatever the heck it is. You just go out there and, you know, rip, rip up whatever you feel like doing that night. It's, it's. Uh, I, I like the cover gigs. It's like a relief from being a precious artist. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's funny. I had a conversation with my guys the other day, and um, and I say, you know, I slowly feel me losing musical and artistic integrity with every Journey song we attempt. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, um, hey, Artie, before we let you go, yeah, Cal, we had you on. To, we wanted to talk about the Knicks with you, but um, I just want your thirty-second Reader's Digest take on the Jets draft of last week. Confusing. Really? Confusing. Okay. The first round was confusing. The Geno Smith thing. I, I know we're getting to the Geno Smith thing. Um, I felt. I, I'm not a huge Geno Smith fan, but where they took him, you kind of had to do it. Um, you know, it's it's a lot forgivable to miss on a quarterback in the second round than it is in the first round. Had they taken him with the 13th overall pick, um, I, I probably would have lost my mind uh, <laughs> as easy as possible. Um, mm-hmm. But the them taking the defensive tackle in the in the first round kind of confused me a little bit because they had gone defensive tackle the last two seasons. Um, from what That's I'm reading now, available. it looks like Copels is going to move to outside linebacker, which yep. makes this pick make a little bit more sense. So, yeah, but best uh, player available. Like what is doing, though. And best player available. Everybody loves it when the Giants take JPP when they've got seven defensive linemen. How come they don't love it when the Jets do it? <laughs> Because it wasn't JPP. There was now. Look, this guy could very well turn out to be the next Warren Sapp, and if he does, uh, I think I'll be the first one to say they were right. I think um, he's the place outside linebacker. Two defensive tackles the last two years, and then you take in another defensive tackle. Can't um, have enough. You know, I, I kind of felt like they needed an edge rusher, but now I kind of see where they're going with because the talk is we're going to move Copels to the outside and let him go after the quarterback. Yeah, and this kid, this kid played some outside linebacker as well. You can stand this kid up. That's how good of an athlete this kid is. I didn't, I didn't ever, I, I get you on that. We were, we were doing the show live from Blue Haven, and when they, when they put the Milner pick in, which was delightful because just 30 minutes earlier I said there's no chance they're taking Milner. Um, well, it, it was Mil- it was Milner or Austin, I think, at that. Well, point. I wanted Austin. And, uh, I wanted Austin desperately, but yeah, I can see the logic uh, behind Milner. Do you? What do you think, though? Uh, you said that you like what Itzik's doing overall. Your impressions of John Itzik so far? I think he's doing a great job. Uh, he came into a situation that was completely impossible, and he basically came in with the attitude of. We're just going to rip this thing down and build it back up. And, um, you know, and he, he's kind of had this really self-deprecating sense of humor when it comes to this. He, they did this interview uh, with Rex Ryan after the draft, and, they, and Rex Ryan said, well, we're obviously not going into camp. We can't go into camp with six quarterbacks. And Erzik just leaned over off mic, but you can hear him say, we can't. <laughs> so, you know, it, uh, stuff like that kind of tells me, you know, he has his head on straight. He's not just a straight-up bean counter like um, like um, what we had here before. Yeah. Um, you know, and it looks like he's taking control of this thing. And I think the fact that Ryan knows his job is on the line this year, he's very much a lame duck this year. He's kind of just keeping his mouth shut, letting Erzik do what he's got to do. And, you know, with the situation that they were in right now, yeah, I would like to see them get a playmaker on offense. There weren't any available where they were going to be at, um, and they so. and they traded they traded for a very good running back, a very good running. Listen, back. Listen, their running game is this is the running this is the kind of running game that Rex Ryan has wanted since he got here. The, yep. the running backs that they have here, you're talking about um, Goodson from uh, from from Oakland, yep. um, Ivy, Ivory now from New Orleans. They still have Bilal Powell. They still have Joe McKnight. They have four 
capable running backs that all do four different things. Yep. So I, I think they can do a lot of different looks. Now, their best offensive players are all running backs. I don't know if they're going to start running the wishbone all of a sudden, but... You know, yeah, but if you, if if Stephen Hill if Stephen Hill becomes a player in year two, then then uh, suddenly a lot of problems on the outside are solved. I mean, they yeah, they really absolutely. are. Absolutely, and Antonio Holmes will be back this year for whatever yep. that's worth. Um, you know, they made they made some savvy picks later on in the draft to shore up the offensive line, so there's some depth there now where maybe we can get a decent right side of the line to yep. go along with the left side. Hey, there's geez. some things in place here. I like what Ursic is doing. People can't forget, this is one of the guys that was responsible for putting together what's happening in Seattle right now. Yep. So, yeah. uh, and, and nobody is before saying it. that Seattle is wanting for anything. So Exactly. All right, Artie. Well, thank you, brother. And promise me, uh, promise us, not just me, but Cal as well, uh, that you'll come back on uh, when the Knicks go to round two of the playoffs. Absolutely, you guys. Uh, I will be there, and um, well, I look forward to catching up with you guys. Uh, I will definitely try not to be a stranger uh, during this playoff run in the summer. Oh, and you got any gigs coming up to promote? Where are you playing? Um, next gig uh, is a little bit of a ways off. Uh, Where Stars Collide is the cover band. It's going to be June 8th at uh, Long Island Ale House in Medford. So that's the next gig that's coming up, and uh, definitely check us out. WhereStarsCollide.com is the website. Awesome. Thanks, Artie. Take care, guys. Be good, Thanks, Artie. All right, so... <laughs> he just got finished saying he got away from the metal thing. Right. And this is what we hit him with. And this is what we, we hit him with. Oh, Bishop, you're so bad. Why Thanks, that, Artie. Why does that recording sound like Bishop took it off the TV? <laughs> like he held up his, his iPhone to the TV while he was watching Friends. Well, he pulled it away before it said, coming up next on Mad About You. <laughs> mad About You. Wow. Was it Mad About You on After Friends? I don't know. Maybe at some point. Probably. Did you like that show? Which one? Mad About You? Yeah, I know you liked Friends. Yeah, no, I, you know, I liked it in the beginning. It got a little too Paul Reiser-ish for me. <laughs> is, that, is that a verb? Yeah. We make that a... yeah, too much. Too, too Reiser? A little bit. Or uh, what would that be, an adjective? Uh, an ad, an adjective. Yeah, the, the adverb would have ly, so that would be riserly, right? <laughs> but if the show gets too riser-ish, that's an adjective. And it did. And it, and it did. Let's, let's be honest. It didn't get too huntish. No, you like the Helen Hunt, don't you? Yeah, you know, like I could need a you like the Helen Hunt. I've no, I really she she was completely irrelevant to me. You know what her greatest role is, right? Her greatest role was in the movie Twister. No. I'm going back further than that. Uh, you know where I'm going. It's the football movie. That's right. Quarterback. With Tom Cruise. Quarterback princess. No, that wasn't... She's not in all the right moves. That's, Leah, that's Leah Thompson. All right. Helen Hunt is in... Helen Hunt. Helen Hunt is the quarterback princess. No, but there's another movie where she plays... Whose name, I inexplicably remember, is Tammy Maida, quarterback princess. <laughs> Tammy Maida? Maida, yeah. How do you spell that? M-A-I-D-A. Okay. Tammy Maida. I thought you were... You, you thought it was an <laughs> What were you... Wait, what movie are you... Wait. I, uh, maybe, I'm, maybe, maybe I'm mistaking this. I feel like she was in a movie... Or maybe it wasn't all the right moves. 
I thought she was she played like the high school girlfriend of a high school of a quarterback. Mm, interesting. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Let's I'll, I'll IMDb her while you think about that. But all the right moves. Do you like all the right moves? No. Why do I not love that movie? No. It's just it's dated, especially now. If you try to watch it now, does it leave you cold? It leaves me wanting for more. It sounds like it leaves you cold. Eh, wistful. <laughs> I don't care for all the right moves. It leaves me cold. <laughs> I um let's boy, she's she's worked a lot. Good for her. She's busy. How old is she? Seventy two years old. Am I not supposed to ask that of a lady? Cal, I'm not you're gonna lose your mind. I'm looking at Quarterback Princess, which was a TV movie, by the way. Okay. And I spelled that correctly. M A I D A. M A I D A. Tammy Maida. Wow. How in the nineteen eighty three? I was nine. And you remember that movie? I remember it well. Yes, a woman, a girl can be the quarterback of the football team. Do you see any other in her in her dossier there? Any other football movies that you might have been in? I'm not going to assassinate her. What is? <laughs> I just because I really believe she was in something. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, you know, I'm not. Uh, she was on wasn't Highway to Heaven. That, wasn't she in that movie with uh, Matthew Broderick about oh. saving the monkeys? Yes, Project X, great movie. Um, no, I know what you're movie. thinking of. I, <laughs> it's a very good movie. <laughs> Did that offend you? Saving the monkeys. I'm gonna, <laughs> really great. I'm need to see. Uh, great movie. A is long list that. of things you consider great movies. <laughs> Fine. Uh, <laughs> solid. Underrated. Underrated movie. Uh, Cal, you're thinking, I believe, of Peggy Sue Got Married. She's in Peggy Sue Got Married. Maybe. And maybe she dates Nicolas Cage as the quarterback there? Maybe. I'm probably thinking of All the Right Moves and Leah Thompson. You probably are. PJ, you a big uh, All the Right Moves fan? No. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> Project X. How, how, how are you guys not mentioning her in Mr. Saturday Night? Oh, playing boy. against Billy Crystal. And playing 70 years old, right? Well, or, I, I've only seen No, that. no, no. She's the agent. She's... She's the. Oh. She's trying to get him gigs. Oh boy. Uh, I I don't I don't know how we're not mentioning that. You know she's done like 114 movies. She's worked quite a bit. You like Twister, do you, Cal? I got you know is it guilty pleasure? Is that the Van Halen soundtrack you like? Yeah. I, I straight up love Twister. No, you Twi- don't. Oh, but I, I'm, I'm getting ripped on for Project X. Well, that was dumb. Project X is a thoughtful movie, my friend. Twister's very, better. With a very thoughtful Matthew Broderick. You know, Twister is what, what broke are you up doing to those? What are you doing to those monkeys? I don't believe that, PJ. That was an instant impression. You guys didn't even hear it. I heard it. It's it, good. <laughs> Come on, Goliath. Come on. Come on, Goliath. You can do it. Get the cigarettes, Goliath. He knows the no? monkey's name. I know. <laughs> he knows all the monkey's names. Wait a minute. What broke up Van Halen? 
Twister broke up that incarnation of Van Halen, which wait, was wait, the wait, end wait. of Cal is Sammy. Very skeptical at you. Wait, right now. wait, very the, skeptical. the movie Twister or the game? <laughs> no, that's right. the funniest thing you've ever said. There was a game of Twister, that the, <laughs> and Alex, Alex Van Halen was all like, "I said right foot blue." And David Lee Roth is like stretching across the entire board because he's very flexible. Right, that's not fair. <laughs> playing Twister with yes, you, we can't play with you anymore. Wow, man! <laughs> oh yeah! <laughs> All right, I was totally across. Left hand, blue. Right hand, red hand. Come on, Alex. No one spins blue seven times in a row. <laughs> And he's just like, I'm just happy to be playing Twister. This is, I'm just happy to be here. Just so happy to be playing Twister with you guys. And then, Come on, guys, can we just finish this game? And then singing ridiculously high. Nation of Van Halen. <laughs> singing the ridiculously high harmony notes. No. That was, no, that was the, that was. Yes, that's all Michael Anthony, by the way, Pete. No. Oh, yeah. Every high harmony in Van Halen. The ridiculously high. He has like That's a, all him, yeah. He has an angelic, ridiculously high register, like the like the high end on "Running with the Running with the Devil." Is that fat little bass player? Yeah, it's all him. Wait, let's go back to Pound Cake and Twister, and right. Van Halen. Isn't that the song that's in Twister? Pound Cake? No, <laughs> no, human being. That was the la- that was the last Sammy Hagar song with them, right? Was Pound Cake? Yeah, Pound Cake. <laughs> sort of was. Like, could you imagine being an adult saying that? Like, you feel like you you could only be Sammy Hagar and say, "This is the name of our new song." What's yeah. the? Hey, what what track are you guys working on? This is our new song called Pound Cake. It features it features a drill prominently at the beginning. <laughs> well, so Sammy's lyrics are a little bit on the nose. And they got the project. A little bit. And Eddie, Eddie said, Eddie said, whatever you do, we're going to write this song. But whatever you do, don't write a song about the effing weather. That was his. That was his only like request. And then he went. He went off and he started working on riffs and stuff. And then they get into the studio, and they start playing the riff that I, I guess the, the song that became Humans Being, right? And and the, and he said the first thing that comes out of his mouth is like winds are howling, sky is gray. It's like no, that's it. You're out. <laughs> We're finishing this, and then you're fired. Sammy, leave the guitar and the big pants. That's right. That's just, you're, you're Stop out. the rain. Do 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 do. Feel the wind. No, we don't no, want it just, about what, the weather. It's a weather you movie. You don't need to sing about the weather. Well, because he brought it up. Of course he's Barometers falling. <laughs> it's like when you tell a kid, don't touch that. What's he going to do? He's going to touch it. Yeah, but that's a kid. Well, this is Sammy Hagar we're talking about. It surprises no one that he went directly from that to starting a tequila company. This is the guy who named the song Pound Cake. You're <laughs> you're <laughs> You're asking him not. To, you're saying you can't. You can't. You have to treat him like a kid. Look, whatever you do, don't make the song from Twister about the weather. First line. There's no doubt. This it's going to be the first line. He has an entire song about drinking a bottle of tequila. Sure. An entire song. 
and that's one of his more heady com- compositions. Right, exactly. He's a lyrical equivalent of like a 14-year-old, like drunk in in Blame It on Rio. Like, I don't even know. <laughs> what is, oh, man, that's so great. I'm looking up the lyrics to Humans Being. And, uh, yeah, good job, everybody. That's just that's just great. That's yeah, well, you know, it's not like he improved it much. No. We uh, we have this... Uh, what track are you working on over there? This is a new tune called Pound Cake. <laughs> Sorry, Sammy, you're a 46-year-old man. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. It's about David Pound Roth cake. wrote Ice Cream Man, and it looks, it looks clever by comparison. This... <laughs> Ice cream, yeah, right. Ice cream man is is a uh, a thinking man. Uh, listen, count. listen, bros. We're gonna name this album for unlawful carnal knowledge. <laughs> oh, and you see what I did there, right? Cabo, dude, dude. Read the first letters. Read the first letters, dude, dude. Oh, my mom's covered. Cover it up. Cover it up. <laughs> Oh gosh, I love Van Halen. I really love Van Halen. I did. Do you? Do you really? I did. No, I did. As a kid, I did. Oh man, that might be the first. You know, the first band I really loved. That was your first love. They were, I was little Van Halen in fifth grade. We we uh, lip synced "Hot for Teacher" in a uh, in a talent show, Mister oh. Gallo, Mister Gallo's class. Interesting. It wasn't a tight ship over there at Northridge. Hey, can we jump really quick to something that really bugs me? Hold on, because I just wanted to mention that we lip synced to Twisted Sister in our fifth grade talent show. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's great. Did you what? Uh, what position were you playing there? I was. I played the drums, and my contribution. Everybody in the, everybody else in the band put makeup on. Yeah. And I wouldn't do that. So my contribution was taking the erasers, and like banging the chalk out on the on the stool. And I was playing the drums on the stool, so every time I would hit the stool, smoke would come up. Magnificent. And as a, as an eleven year old, I thought I was that's a genius. Script. I was I I that's magnificent. I got to be David Lee Roth. I got to be the front man there. That's weird. And I went. I, I'm not. I wish I was making this up. We called ourselves Little Van Halen. It was it was me, uh, Jordan, Charlie, uh, and. Uh, Somebody else was in there playing Eddie Van Halen. And um, I wore uh, uh, ridiculously tight parachute pants with a jock strap over them into into class. Went to school that way. And we, we did a lip sync performance of Hot for Teacher. Wow. Yeah. In school. In school. That's good. Who was your teacher? Yeah, he's he's uh, he's not around anymore. Okay. Yeah. Uh, not a, again, not a tight ship over there at Northridge. Huh. No, not very good. I was, uh, I was doing the leg kick and everything. Nothing funnier than seeing a chubby, you know, 11 year old with a really bad haircut in parachute pants with a jock strap trying to do David Lee Ross scissor kicks. Oh yeah. <laughs> Todd for teacher with a male teacher. We had a male teacher in that class. Let's move on. I'm getting a little um, upset. Yeah, I'm sorry. I interrupted PJ. What do you got? I'm just, uh, well, I, I, oh, can we, can we, because he mentioned Hot for Teacher. Can we stop 
with the circulating of all the YouTube videos of five and six year olds playing drums and calling them amazing. <laughs> Can we stop? The six year old plays hot for teacher. No, he doesn't. It's terrible. That's wow. it. Okay. Your kid is too young and he sucks at this song. <laughs> now I'm going to pass it on. Right. Okay, well, while you're on, Cal, we need to talk about uh, the Mets. <laughs> I don't know if we have time. I, I don't. Do we need to? No. No, they're irrelevant, and it's depressing. The Yankees are uh, injured and rolling right along. What? Uh, any idea of the Rangers tonight? They were losing 3-1 the last time I checked in the third uh, period. That's a shame. But um, I'm going to punch that up right now. Oh, but I do, I, uh, Peach, I do really want to talk to you about Jason Collins and, and the whole coming out thing. I was kind of um, hoping we'd talk more about Helen Hunt and, uh, and the whole coming out thing. And coming out forward, things. I wanted to discuss with you <laughs> the whole coming out thing. But I did want to. But I did want to. I have I have a couple of notes here that I do need to get to. Oh, we're bringing back the unloadlets. The unloadlets. That's right. It never the, caught on. The little the little unloadlets. <laughs> the timbits. <laughs> Cal. <laughs> Cal timbits. <laughs> Okay, um, I'm going to play the, the Cal Timbits music. Is it by Rush? <laughs> it should be. It should totally be by Rush. Right? Darn it. There is trouble with the donut. <laughs> there is unrest with the Timbits. <laughs> okay, it's not Yellow Springs. You're right. It'll be Rush next week. Okay. Um, Cal, you brought up a great point a couple shows ago about wasted band names. Wait, what do you do? Wait, you're referring back to things? Yeah, because you we brought up Five for Fighting as right. a wasted great band name. Right. So it's a great band name wasted on a not great band. And I uh, have I have three wow. more. I have three more. That's I another listener. What <laughs> the lead singer of Five for Fighting <laughs> was a big was a big RCU guy. I heard a rumor. I I read an internet blog page. Okay, wasted band names. Uh, Fastball. Now that's a great song, the way. Sure. But if you're gonna have a great, if you're gonna have a as good a name as Fastball, I need a sustained career. I need two, three good albums. They were more like change up, right? That's. They, they, they had they, another, they had another big song, huge song. What? Not fastball. Yeah. No. no, no. Sure. No. You're thinking yeah. of somebody else. You're thinking was of... Was I out of my head? Was I out of my mind? How could I let it... Slider. Do, do, do. What? <laughs> You're thinking of circle change. Stop it. <laughs> That's not a big hit, that song. No. That was a huge hit. No. And maybe in Germany. I don't know. I what... guarantee that didn't hit higher than 10 on the Billboard chart. All right, I'm about to completely slam you guys to the floor. That's why I said Hold on. I'm going to go get some stats. You guys talk amongst yourselves. All right, I want to hear some more. You got more, Steve? I do. I have two more. Um, The Outfield. Wait a minute. Again, (laughs) you see a theme here. If if the third one is Damn Yankees, we're ending the show right now. (laughs) Right. But no, the, the, the bad part about The Outfield is Josie is a great song. That's another great song. All-time one hit. But they they were like British, weren't they? Yes. They had no idea. And a blind keyboard player. (laughs) 
You know, like that movie. Wait. Stop. Stop. He was blind. <laughs> How? Wait. The blind superhero. How is this the first I'm hearing? Come on. I'm, you didn't know. I did not know. That the, the keyboard player for the outfield was blind. Did not know that. You say it as if it's like well, you know why? common knowledge. Well, I'm going to tell you why. If if you were like, maybe you weren't like me and, and watched MTV religiously in the 80s. I watched MTV. All right. This this song was literally in what could only be described as heavy rotation. I only remember the mullets. They all had mullets. And, and the blind keyboard player had a mullet. How did we know he was blind? They walked him around. They kind of... <laughs> They guided him from one location to another. I'm telling you, watch the video. Is you video? YouTube the video, yes. Why Why in the world would they include that in the video? Why do we need footage of them walking him to the keyboard? Is that, Am I supposed to feel bad? Now I, I have to like this song. I think it's to emphasize the point that the man can't see. <laughs> okay, but they don't do that to Stevie Wonder. Well, everybody knows that Stevie Wonder can't see. Not many people know the keyboard player from the outfield. (laughs) Well, apparently everybody knows, Cal, because you just made me feel like, uh, you know, I've been living under a a rock. That's just something that I remember. But if you go back and you YouTube that video, it's wonderfully 80s, by the way. I can't, although I feel badly. It's nothing to feel, but he's talented. That's what I know he's talented. That's not what I mean. I wouldn't feel bad. They're, I should have known now, I feel like. But they're British. You're right. They should not have named a band The Outfield. Oh. When you when you don't even know what an outfield is. Yes, uh, let's name it Power Play. But you want to know something? They we, don't, named... we, don't, we don't even know what a pock is. But let's name the band Icing. Oh, wait, that could be like a cake. The Outfield, also the, the album that that song was from. What's the name of that song? Your Love. Ah, very well done. It's from otherwise, the album. Otherwise known as Josie's on a Vacation Far Away. Right. Coming in because it's awkward. It's from the album Play Deep. Play Deep. Again. So. They're, they were huge fans of baseball. What's the problem? They were not baseball fans. I have a quote here. Maybe they weren't British. Hold on a second. <laughs> If they weren't British, I quit. I don't know what I'm quitting necessarily, but... What's your quote, Pete? Yeah, what's your quote there? Oh, I just scrolled off of it now. <laughs> well, you can't say, I have a quote here. And just because you can't say it immediately, you don't just scroll off it. So, uh, songwriter John Spinks expressed a strong love for the American sport of baseball. The American sport? Of uh, baseball. But he's not American. I don't want the Brits having a band. Why don't I have a band called the Cricket Bats? I, you wouldn't do it. I, I can't go name a band the Limeys. I mean, I could. It'd be awesome if we were like punk. He really liked baseball because he said it was it was a much better thing to watch than uh, pretty much all of British sports, which were just kind of muddy, murky melees. He said that or you just made that up? I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, clearly. Muddy melees? Right. 
Are you paraphrasing or are you writing a poem? Look, I don't see why this is a time to disparage me. <laughs> nice bit of alliteration there, but I don't believe that uh, Roland, whatever his name is, Johnny Britton over there. John Spinks. John Spinks. That's not real, is it? Is that his real name? It's yeah. John Spinks. That's his name. John Spinks. With an X? No. <sighs> like Michael Spinks. And Fastball, Like, like the American the Boxer? The way by uh, by fastball was in the top five for seven weeks, and the other song I sang to you, out of my head, was in the Billboard Top 40 for 29 weeks. Did it get higher than 10? That's what I asked. Is that what you asked? That's yes. what I said. He said he bet it didn't get higher than 10. Oh, now i got to go back again. Uh <laughs> Well, this is all fascinating. I don't care. These are wasted band names, okay? They should have been better bands. The outfield... We've proven pretty much that your list is malarkey, Stephen. How is my list malarkey? Malarkey. That's a good band name. Blind, blind musician Reg Webb. Who's extraordinarily British. Playing keyboard. no for... love of baseball. Playing keyboard <laughs> Did for not three keep. East End lads called the outfield. British. And blind. British. Okay, with the blind. We got it. Okay, he was blind. We get it. British bands should not name themselves the outfield. It's just a question. I'm sorry. It fascinates me. You can't see, but you can play the keyboard. I mean, it's amazing. It is. Uh, the, the ability to play the piano with or without eyesight is amazing to me. Well, that's that's true, too. <laughs> and not the way you play it, Peach. It is disparage PJ time, I guess. What's your third uh, wasted band name, though? Forget it. I don't even want to do it anymore. You guys ruined it. No, how do we ruin it? Because these are these because jerk store was a smart line and it will work for a smart crowd. According to Billboard magazine, oh hey, model with Billboard, Dick Clark, you take it. Was number three. Did you just get a megaphone? <laughs> I shouted you down. What are you, Michael? What are you, Michael Stipe? Now, how did you do that? <laughs> you'll know. One day you'll know. Wow. No, uh, number it three. went to num- not went to number three out of my head. Okay. Okay. Still not a big band. You really not going to tell us the third one? They had a hit and a half. All right. Oh, okay. How many hits does it take to have a... How many top ten hits do you need to have to be a big band that deserves its name? <laughs> like a big According... band era music band? Or... <laughs> like Glenn Miller? <laughs> What's Honey Uh we... If a band's going to call itself Triple Play, yes. how many hits do they have to have to justify I want... keeping that name? I want them to uh, have at least one full good album. Would the debut album suffice? Could they just fade away after that? Absolutely. Look, my big problem with the my big problem with the the outfield it was that they were British. That should be an American band. That should have been a band from you know. The Midwest or something. That's an American. That's a does not reflect America. well on you. If a Republican congressman said that, you'd be all over him. That's not even remotely accurate. <laughs> I'm I'm strictly talking about band names. That's all. 
That's all. Not political. It's not political. It's it's our national pastime, for goodness sake. I remember them asking the outfield about the, and he's like, well, I sort of like baseball. It's sort of nice. It's pastoral, isn't it? Like, no, I want to hear that the guy's a rabid baseball fan. Otherwise, I'm wasting the name of the outfield, because it's a really good name. Fine. The last one, isn't there a band called The Incredible Bastards? I thought there was a band called, like, I thought it was like Andy Dick's band. That's a great that name. That band. If, <laughs> if it's true, that's a great name. I'm trying to find it. I think Andy Dick had a band, and they were called, like, The Incredible Bastards or something like that. I'm looking at photographs of the of the outfield playing live, and they're so happy. And I Are they like on a baseball field? Have I somehow, are they in the outfield at Shea Stadium? They are not. No, they're playing in the infield. That's Why the ironic. Why are you taking this personally for the outfield? I don't like you jumping on the outfield. <laughs> Clearly. I, I mean, gee whiz. <laughs> hey, could they play the outfield for the Mets better than their outfield? No, you did it. See what I did there? They're better outfielders than the Mets outfield. And one of them's a blind keyboardist. That's how bad the Mets outfield is. Oh, boy. Good job. The last one was the Incredible Bastards. That's a good name. Which I think was Andy, Andy Dick's band or something like that. I'm like, wow, that's a fantastic name wasted on Andy Dick. So, there you go. Those are my three. Now, the other thing I wanted to mention, and we are going to talk about Jason Collins. I did not like any of the movies that Helen Hunt made in the year 2000. She did <laughs> Dr. T and the Women, boring, Pay It Forward, sappy, Cast Away, terrible, and What whoa, Women whoa, Want. Whoa, 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 but, whoa, uh, whoa, 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 the outfield, whoa, <laughs> whoa. I hate to get all the outfield on you here. Slow down. But Castaway was terrible. What did Castaway have? I I happen wow. to like that movie. It was really good, PJ. I thought it was a a, a fantastic performance by Mr. Tom Hanks. No, it's just it's just him. The movie's just him. Well, half the movie's just him. More than half, Cal. Well, and Helen Hunt. Twenty minutes in to and about the last twenty terrible. minutes. Terrible. Hour and fifteen of of Hanks. I don't think she was terrible in that movie. And a volleyball. I I thought she was terrible in that movie too, but that does not make it a terrible movie. I didn't think she was terrible. Oh, she was terrible. I think yeah. Utterly unbelievable. She has she has tainted my my memory of that movie because all I think of is disappointment. Yeah, you know she does tend to play unlikable characters. Yeah. I mean, she's not unlikable in that well, movie. Well, I think she's it's her not face. Good. It's, it's her face. She's got a, she's just, you know, she's always got that look that she's, she, she can't believe what you just said. With those, it's like, she's like, really? You, my name is Helen Hunt? She's, she's from the like, incredulous school of acting, yes. Wow, oh, that's think, good. That's good. But I think that's just her face. I don't think that's acting. <laughs> I think that's how she was born. Right. I, all I know is I, she's not good in that movie, but that does not ruin Castaway for me. I still think Castaway is a really good movie. I think it's a great performance by Hanks. If you wait a minute, if Castaway's on, 
Are you sitting through all of Castaway, or are you watching just the meat of it when he's on the island and you're like, this is awesome, and the second he gets back to land and reunites with Helen Hunt, are you not changing the station? I'm waiting for the uh, moment with the guy in the hotel room. Well, easy. Spoiler alert. <laughs> it's been There's a moment years. with the guy. Um, I'm waiting for the moment in the guy where uh, after the FedEx thing, when they have him back, and then he's in the hotel room and he can't sleep or whatever, and, and he has that moment where he does the speech, you know, I'm drinking water with ice and with you, and I'm I'm taking it till there, and then I'm getting out. So that's before the rendezvous. Yeah, there's not much after that. With Helen Hunt, though. Well, he goes to see Helen Hunt, and she gives him the car and stuff like that. So I'm getting out before that. Then it can't be a great movie. I'm taking it to Chris Noth, the new husband. Wait, if it doesn't, if it doesn't keep North? you every time it's on, if no. you're only watching the scenes you love, then there's it's not no great. R. It's like, oh, there's no R. It's Chris Noth. It's like Chris North. I, oh, it's not Chris North. It's Chris Noth. Chris Roth. <laughs> it's Chris Rock in that movie. It's like Chris Roth. You see, I thought he was on. He was on the island. <laughs> so I married her. <laughs> ain't my problem. <laughs> I did not expect that one. Ain't my problem, Mr. FedEx. <laughs> you go you was stranded. So is that a great commercial for FedEx or a terrible commercial? I think it's a little of both. I think it's a little of both. <coughs> oh, where's the cough button? What happened there? Wow. wow. Who's producing this podcast? Hope everybody got the that. button that makes you cough. Um, we have about 12 minutes left in the show. We're talking I... about Jason Collins. Please. We really need to do this. We're not together. All night. Stuff. This was, I, I really, honestly, Peach, I, I really do want to get your opinion on this. I want to get Cal's opinion on this. I hope we're not too far gone because this was a major moment in sports and culture. Something that we've been waiting for for a long time. Somebody in an active player in one of the four major sports has come out uh, and, you know, it. it I don't feel like, I don't know about you guys. I personally don't feel like it got its due because, uh, especially here in New York, and maybe because of who the player is, because it's a basketball player, A, because it's a 12-year vet who's not on a team, B, because uh, he's a free agent. But more, maybe that's a good thing because it's not that big a deal. not as big a deal as it would have been five years ago or two years ago or three years ago. Cal, what are you – where are you on this, Bri? And Peach, too. Where where are you guys on this? I think you're right. I, I It it wasn't that big. I think people are trying to make it a big deal. They're trying to make it so that he's – you know, he's – now, let's let's – just put it out there. What he did was incredibly brave and courageous, and and you, you you have to respect the man for doing this because it couldn't have been easy. 
Yeah. Can't, I can't imagine how hard it was for him to do this. But also, I, I think they're trying to make make it into this big moment in sports that it, it like you said, it, it really isn't right now because. Well, is there, there's, I understand. It, it doesn't need to be. It doesn't need to be. No, he doesn't need to be Jackie Robinson. Right, but it's a fine line because you know what, Cal, in ten years he may be. Well, but but let's not let's not make him that. No, this listen, listen. Okay. With Jackie Robinson, I know we're we're about to get lectured. The sports were not integrated with Jackie Robinson, and then there was a watershed moment. Yeah, it's not a There are gay players all throughout. All throughout sports, not they're, they're that you in know there. of. They're in there, but they can't come out in their own locker rooms, Peach. I mean, oh, that, by the way, I, I really hate of... the trivializing of like you know, the, you know, coming out of the locker as if it was like coming out of the closet. You know, it's like yeah, it's they, they, they made it cutesy as fast as they could. Yeah, it's well, it's, you no, know, I, I, it, it doesn't have to be a direct correlation to Jackie Robinson at all, because you can't possibly have a direct correlation to Jackie Robinson because that's integration. It's integration it's because it's, they but, wouldn't allow a section of society into exactly. their team because they 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 deem them inferior. Right. These they players are already on the team. All they need to do is pick up their heads. But they can't, though, Peach. But the feeling oh, is... sure they could. And that's why this guy is such an important figure is because they feel... And go look at the comments. And go look at you know the comments on the Sports Illustrated article. And go look at you know the Twitter accounts of guys like Mike Wallace from the Miami Dolphins, who, you know, immediately tweeted out homophobic remarks that he tried to delete and, and couldn't. Okay, if you think that it's that just because Jason Collins has done this that a football player is going to do it, think again. Think again. Oh, I think a football okay. player is absolutely going to do it. I, you tell me when. When you see those comments immediately from football players everywhere, and I'm not just singling out football players, it is very difficult to come out in a sports locker room, in a professional sports locker room. That's why this has taken so long. That's why this is a watershed moment, because they're going to, those players that do come out are but going to be treated this is not a societal shift. This is not a societal shift. This is waiting for it is a societal dummies shift. You're waiting for dummies on your own team to stop being dummies. It's not the same thing. Oh, how about waiting for society to stop being dummies? We don't have same-sex marriage. is not legal in this country. Ten states. Rhode Island today. Okay, but you know what I'm saying, Peach? It's, it, it is a societal shift. Acceptance of homosexuals, gay and lesbian, is a huge societal shift. That has not happened yet everywhere. Go to Texas and be gay. Is that an order? (laughs) I don't know what you mean by that. I'm saying go to go to certain states in this country, and and you you know it's still a three letter word. Okay, you you so it is a societal shift, and sports as a microcosm and a reflection of society, it's not accepted. It's going to take a long time for it to, and and that's not to say that you're not spot on, Peach. People are uh, these athletes are idiots or narrow minded or ignorant. Um, but that doesn't mean just because uh, that that doesn't mean they're just going to accept them. 
They're just going to accept their gay teammates. I think sports is one of the is going to be more difficult than other places. There's no team that's going to look to to draft uh, <laughs> a gay squad. Um, is, is, is there going to, is there going to be perpetual reporting on every player that always comes out? I mean, what? Absolutely. Well, I no. Mean, I mean, but Cal, think of the. You tell me, okay? If player X on the Texas Rangers comes out tomorrow and says he's gay, it's a big story. It's huge, right? But but if more and more do that, absolutely, it, it will eventually cease to be a big story. But it doesn't mean they're going to get treated well in the locker room either. That doesn't mean they're yeah. going to be accepted I don't know. by their teammates in the locker room. I don't know because when Jason Collins came out. It, there was, it was almost universal that we saw. He's not on a team right now, Cal. He's a free agent. Okay, he. Do you? Well, wait. Do, do you? And no. basketball is, frankly, basketball. You're talking about twelve guys is different. Well, listen. A closeted player can stay closeted <clears throat> forever. You know, right. there was no way for a Negro player to to hide. No, we're past that, though, Peach. I, I, I agree with you. It's not the same thing. The closeted player can stay closeted forever, but why should he have to? Well, listen, PJ, PJ brought up a good point. Do you believe that there are gay athletes in locker rooms right now? Absolutely. Okay. Do you believe that every single one of them is closeted? On their team? On their team. No. Then it's so, just something that doesn't really matter. It, it it might it we I know we don't know we're not in the locker room we're not but they certainly can, they certainly can't be public about it well they're not because we don't know about it right as as a public so but that's still closeted it is closeted but if they are accepted by by members of the team do you think that there's a player in the professional sports who has stood up in front of his team and said he's gay no so there's no so they're still closeted. Yeah, no. So anything that the team knows about them, maybe a couple players know, maybe it's rumor or innuendo. Right. But there's Did Rex Ryan owe it to the team to tell them that he was a foot fetishist? No. Did he owe it to them to tell them? Why, I'm not why saying would they it owe... ever come up? Because being a foot why fetishist... Why am I shouting? <laughs> because being a foot fetishist is a, is a sexual fetish. This is their life. Being Being gay is not a fetish. Being gay, I'm plus. saying as a bedroom activity. But I'm saying I'm, I'm not anything that happens in the bedroom, in the boudoir. Why, do, why does a player have to stand up and talk about it? They don't. But why can't a player stand up and and say who they are? Being a foot fetishist does not define Rex Ryan. Being gay is a big part of who Jason Collins is as a person. Why should he have to hide it? That's not to say, look, I, I've been through this in theater, okay? I've been through this in theater. Pete, you've been through this in theater. Okay, something that used to drive me crazy in a dressing room was, uh, you know, locker room talk of any kind, be gay or straight. I don't want to know what you did last night with the girl, just like I don't want to know what you two guys did last night. It's none of my business. I don't care. That's what you're talking about, Peach. I'm talking about just... Being able to be yourself. Being able to, you know, if you have a partner, bring them into the locker room. Or meet with them after the game. You know, I, I just, 
it, to me, guys, it's an important step. And I think it's going to be a very hard one. And I know you guys aren't arguing that it's not an important step, but, but I think it's going to be... I, I'm saying I think the media cares more how it plays out in the media than the teams uh, care. Right. That's interesting. I agree with that. That that's is what I'm saying. Took me a that's second to get there. I well, think that's where but, I was going when I asked that question. If if there are players right now that their teammates know what's going on, not all of them. Not, not all, no. I, I, there's I, I don't think there's a player out there, Kyle, that stood up in front of his team and said, "I'm gay. Keep it quiet." <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't tell ESPN. Yeah, probably not. Because I think they're afraid of how they'll be treated by their teammates. You take a you take a sport like baseball. Okay. On an average Major League Baseball roster, and I don't want to get into stereotypes and stuff like that, but on an average Major League Baseball roster, you may have a bunch of guys that were drafted out of high school and been playing in the minor leagues. They're from the Midwest. They're from maybe they're they're not. Perhaps they're a touch. The best way I can put it is provincial. Okay, um, and or religious, and they've been. Um, they've never been exposed to being around homosexual people to begin with. So they have a preconceived notion in their head. That's who makes up a lot of baseball teams. A lot. Um, that's, that doesn't mean necessarily, necessarily that they're ignorant or bad people at all. But they may not Has be there ever hard. been a discrimination suit? No, not that I know. Cal, I feel like the umpire. Wasn't there an umpire? Maybe Dave Pallone. Maybe Dave Pallone. I yeah. hope it was Dave Pallone. <laughs> Just out at Dave Pallone. <laughs> what are you saying over there? No, but um, I, no, I think I think that he might have. We only have uh, sixty seconds left in the live show, so we're gonna we're gonna just continue this conversation for a couple minutes in overtime. Please go to uh, com. Uh, for the podcast, and please go to iTunes and subscribe. Thanks to uh, Scott the Islander fan, my brother. Our brother. He's the show's brother. Um, and, of course, Artie, uh, uh, for checking in on the Knicks. We will see you guys next week. And uh, thanks so much uh, for checking us out. And uh, keep uh, riding that uh, treadmill, if that's what you're doing. Or driving, maybe. I don't know, running. You could be doing a lot of things. Just keep listening. Yeah, please. Good call. All right, so we're into... Uh, oh, Thanks for time. putting an end to that, Cal. <laughs> Way to butt that for me, Cal. <laughs> now, we'll, we'll talk next week more about the Islanders and the Rangers and the playoffs and the Knicks, and um, hopefully we will uh, talk about the Mets and stuff a little bit. Okay, so back on to this uh, point with Jason Collins. and Yeah, I don't know if there's ever been a lawsuit, Peach. I just... I think there's a lot of fear... Look at the comments that um, – who was the corner, Cal, from the 49ers uh, during the Super Bowl week, for example? Yeah, I can't you know, remember his name. There's a lot of super non-tolerant people in a, a sports locker room. And I and I think it, it, the, the fear of being treated differently – uh, is pretty great and 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 quote unquote discriminated against again. It's not Jackie Robinson. He's not breaking the color barrier here by any means. But he, Jason Collins, is a trailblazer in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways. Um, 
I understand the importance of being first. I don't understand <clears throat> um, the purported gravity of the issue. Why? Honestly, I mean, what don't you understand about the gravity? Uh, I was going to say I think it's overblown, but then I decided not to say that. What are those, Sammy Hagar lyrics? Your restraint is commendable, PJ. Sammy, I'm begging you. We're writing a song about gay athletes under no circumstances. Please. Do you use the following words? We have a list of words here. Talking about baseball, you don't want blew it by him. You don't. We can't have it. And for the love of God, lose the drill, please, please, Danny, please. Okay. He will not play well. In other news, Van Halen's reunion was all too brief. <laughs> um. I think that I th- it's not necessarily a gravity situation, Peach, but you have to admit, I think, that sports quite often are or do reflect um, somewhat the temperature and tone in society uh, in this in this country, and sports, as famously illustrated by the long. Hard road that Jesus. was taken in, in baseball is it, 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 to break the color barrier. Sports is usually behind um, in reflecting social, social uh, and cultural mores and advances. And I think you can point to maybe something like Magic Johnson. Oh, for you know Magic Johnson being the first athlete to come forward and and have HIV and the positive effect that that had on how that how the disease was viewed and how society you know that 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 disease had been a quote unquote gay disease and and it was you know this awful scourge but you know what it only happened to these people and then all of a sudden, this you know, one of the most famous athletes on the planet had it, and it changed the changed the I think the look and the way that we treated people with HIV and treated and it took time, but I think it changed the face of HIV, quote unquote, in many ways, and maybe that's. Why didn't the perception change to, well, Magic Johnson must be gay? Because he was Magic Johnson. He's got AIDS. But he was Magic Johnson. Like, you couldn't, you could not have picked a more virulent, you know, he's Magic Johnson. He's married to a cheerleader. He was with cheerleaders all over the country. But he was Magic Johnson. So that was never, he got it from clearly got it from heterosexual sex. You knew he wasn't a drug user and you knew he wasn't gay. And don't and and I remember very well at that time that that was the first, right? Am I wrong, Cal? That was the first thing a lot of people said. Was what? That, that he they was gay? wondered if he was gay. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
Because it was it was 1992. It was still the gay disease. Of course. Exactly. But he him contracting HIV changed the face of yeah. AIDS in many ways. It did. And I'm wondering how that begins to change now with, you know, Jason Collins coming out and if other athletes will follow suit. And I hope they do. I really I, do. But it's but I still think guys the locker room is a tough place to come out. I think they will. But I think they will do it in a way that we talked about earlier where they'll come out to they'll stand up in front of their team. Right. And they'll say it. Rather than go out and make it like, it yeah, we don't easy. need a we don't need a barrage of press releases. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, I think Jason Collins had to do this. Well, it was, it was easy for Jason Collins. I, 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 please let, don't diminish the word easy. Yeah, it's, it's the wrong word, but it was it was different for Jason Collins to do it because he's not on a club right now, and he's also extraordinarily well spoken. He's a good spokesperson. Right. Do you think many gay athletes know each other? From the social circle of, hey, we're all gay athletes here. No, absolutely not. No, I really don't. I really, I mean, that I really feel like the the current gay athletes on in the four major sports are extraordinarily deep in the closet. I think they really are. Look, Mike Piazza, uh, you know, years ago had to call a press conference to say he wasn't gay. You know, I, I mean, that's. How I think these players are way deep in the closet, way deep. You know, and you were right, Cal. Dave Pallone. Was was there a discrimination suit in September of nineteen eighty eight? Pallone was forced to resign. He was outed in a New York Post article later in the year. And Pallone later wrote in his autobiography, Behind the Mask, My Double Life in Baseball, about his experience as a gay man working in baseball. Well. Yep. So Pallone, uh, Pallone was... Uh, so he got in a fight with Pete Rose. Pete Rose... Pallone was umpiring first base in the ninth inning when he called New York Mets outfielder Mookie Wilson safe on a delayed call. Mookie. And with the delay, you see, all good things happen with Mookie. That's, yeah, that's true. Well, I, what, what resulted, I don't think, was good. That's not good. With the delay giving Howard Johnson the time to score the eventual game-winning run. I actually remember this. Rose immediately rushed to Pallone to argue the call and how slowly it was made. With temper, tempers boiling over, Pallone was mocking Rose's gestures by pointing a finger at Rose, which led to, led to Rose later to accuse Pallone of poking him in the face. Rose then shoved Pallone, causing that immediate ejection, and proceeded to shove him again. Pallone denied touching Rose, and Major League Baseball never determined that he did, in fact, touch Rose. However, the incident led to fans going over. So, the incident also led to Rose being suspended for 30 days and a $10,000 fine. So that doesn't have anything to do with him being outed. <laughs> no, but it was very interesting. Thank Good story. you. Good radio. Way to go. Good talk. Um, I, 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 if you guys had to speculate, what is the next... Do you think somebody comes out in football first, baseball first, or hockey first? I don't want to speculate. It's important. I'll tell you why. It's important to speculate? No. It's it to me it's important where it comes from next because I think baseball and football 
are viewed as, especially baseball, is is just an old, you know, there's an old boys network there, and it's a very Midwestern and or Southern game. A lot of these players are from the Midwest or the South. Uh, and football, of course, is football. It's just this, you know, never mind the fact that it's a ridiculously homoerotic game. It's uh, It's football. You, know, you can't be gay in a football locker room because you guys are showering and touching and all that kind of stuff, which is absolutely ridiculous. But So that's why I think that's important. What do you think, Peach? Do you think that I would like to see a baseball player do it? I really would. Publicly. Not yeah, I, yes, publicly. To be able to live their life in public, have it be known by the press and the reporters and their teammates and the everybody. Yes. I think it's important. I think it's important that that person gets to live the life that they want to live. Some of these players, you know, are, are not in a lot of limelight now. They would only be bringing more to themselves by doing it. I, I'm not saying they got to hold a press conference, but if they want to meet their boyfriend after and or spouse, depending on the state you're in, right? Just not uh, be afraid to go to a restaurant. That's in it. In other words, yep. Just just be a, just be out in public, and then yep. whatever arises from that arises. Absolutely. That's Whether what I. Whether someone mean. takes their picture, or yep. gets back to the team. Yep. Then I, I think it'll we'll, be baseball. I think we'll get there too. Yeah, I would like to see that in baseball. I don't think we're that far off from that. No, I hope not. Why do you feel that? Are you, are you sure you don't think that that uh, a large number of gay athletes talk to each other? I I I think and perhaps do, didn't didn't talk a little bit back and forth about who might be the best person to come forward first, and they arrived at Collins. And Jason I, Collins didn't infer that at all the other day. I don't I don't think that happened in but the I, interviews that I saw. But I do think that there are pockets of of athletes that do know, and that's and that might be their internal support system. Well, I think mm-hmm. it's I, I would think it's contained within the sport, though. I don't think it's I don't think the baseball guys know the football guys. Um, I think it would depend on if they were sharing a city, like if they were in the same town. Maybe I think you're right, Steve. I would tend to think it's the sports will stick together, but and there's so much to risk there, though. There's so much to risk there when you don't control the message. No, but you see, I don't think I don't think that they are in relationships with one another. No, I think I, no, that, I, know I what think you're that saying. they just might be it just might be a support system for each other to, to kind of talk about things. They might and, be out to each other. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe. I I could see that, PJ. Yeah, maybe. That's I'm not fair. saying like 50 or 60 guys, no, no, no. you know, I, hold right. hold a conference. I'm just saying like <laughs> one or two spoke to each other. A phone call went back and forth, and they said, "You know what? If someone's going to come forward, maybe it should be you." Because dot dot. Yeah, dot. no, I don't. I don't know if that happened with Jason Collins, but I bet I would not be surprised. You know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, and it's a very fair point, I would not be surprised if maybe Jason Collins knows of a co- uh, a, a few other. Uh, NBA players that are gay, and maybe he spoke to them and said, look, I'm going to do it. Because it's discussed in every article of kind of the same way you put it. and Nobody better to come forward first. Right. You know, there could be no one better. Yeah. No, I, I mean, there's... Would it be better if the next person to come out were uh, 
retired. No, see, I don't think the fame. That that's happened. I mean, they're an active player. Yeah, it has to be a guy who's active and in that locker room every day. I see. Because there are there are plenty of NFL players that have come out, you know, post career. And they, they've talked about the idea of coming out when they were an active player, and they all said, there's no way. Never would have done it. Because I would have been treated differently in the locker room. And I would have been treated differently by my teammates. I still think, guys, I still think that's a huge, genuine concern. Huge. Because there's discrimination every day against gay and lesbian uh, you know, uh, people in the rest of the country. Why wouldn't there be in professional sports, which are, you know, cavemanish anyway? <laughs> you know, in some of their in some of their institutions, are sort of stuck in 1955 anyway. I think it, I think if anything, it would be more prevalent in a locker room. You know, so I don't know, but I tell you what, I, I that was my favorite story of the week. By far and away. I, I thought, and I listened to, he was on with uh, Simmons Cal. I don't know if you got a chance to catch that. Not yet. Very, just a great interview with Bill Simmons on the BS report. And um, and Bill Simmons made the point, and I totally agree with this, that it's a big deal, but it's nice that it's not that big a deal. Right. Like it's, it's a huge deal, but yet, you know what? Okay. Good. We knew it was going to happen. Good. You know, now let this be the impetus for more players to feel comfortable to be themselves. So, we'll I, see. yeah, we, we will we will see. All right, let's wrap it up. Just a shade under three hours. Good job, everybody. No, we say more than three. I have more to say about the basketball. Next week, PJ <laughs> PJ breaks down fastballs album track by track. <laughs> and, and instrumentation by instrumentation. Is that the album Low and Away? Is that the name of that album? Come on. They might have one like that, yeah. So the Outfields album is Play Deep and Fastballs is Low and Away. I, I won't swear to that, but they did have clever... Uh, and, I, and I don't think it is. And by the way, we never even got to the real reason that I don't like Fastball for well, that Stop band. the music! Please! Fine. Wait, record scratcher. Fine. I think I know. I think I know why. Look, we we started the show badly in complete silence for two minutes. We could end the show like this. There's no problem here. Does it have to do with where they're from? No. I'm coming out as a bad producer. I want you all to know that. (laughs) No, it does not have to do with where they're from. All right. It has to do with the. uh, And by the way, PJ, that's impossible. Because uh, PJ, you are seriously, man, in a league of one. There he is. You are the best. You get it done so efficiently, quickly, and such a high standard, my man. You are my hero. Jim Nance, CBS Sports, thank you. So every I've been time Jim Nance for three years, and I just wanted to know that. Every time, every time you start to feel like you're not a good producer, you play that. That made me feel so good. I have to Jim, say. Jim Nance will remind you. Hi, friends. He's awesome. Jim Nance here to tell you that PJ is awesome. Jim what? Nance for insperity <laughs> as <is> your... PJ. <laughs> I thought those were one and the same. 
What is your problem with fastball? They don't like baseball. They asked him about the name, and they were like, yeah, no, nah, not really. We just, thought it was, we just thought it was a cool name. I, I will never forget it. Talking oh. about your, your blessed MTV. They're wasting it. I I, that's, they wasted the name. Wasted they wasted it. their fastball. You're so they, Italian. They wasted it. You wasted it, dog. You wasted it. You had a chance to be here when you blew it. Nah. All right. That's why. Now, final on those. So you're saying the gridiron gang doesn't like football? <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what I'm saying. Oh, that's awesome. Go ahead, Peach. Final one. Left. All right, listen. May the 4th is coming. And on May the 4th, you get a lot of Star Wars jokes coming at you. I just want to put out a plea. Star Wars geeks, maybe take a year off. Maybe lay back. It's enough. We get it. Wait, wait, why? <laughs> why, why, why take a year off? No, why, why the Star Wars jokes? May the 4th. May the 4th, may the 4th be with you. May the 4th be with you. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> We've been on Come on. Lot. May the 4th is Star Wars Day. Yeah. You're right. See, it's, oh it's, a little, I, it's a little precious now. Stop. I didn't. Yeah. Yeah, it started out as kind of like a cute, fun thing, and now Star yeah. Wars fans. No, this should not be annual. Stop it. I had, I had heard that. I forgot. I'm sorry. Just like the uh, the prequels. They just ruined everything. Oh. Cal, final unload. The next time we speak, somebody will be a little bit older on this program. It's not me. And it's, not our, and it's not our producer. So I want to wish a happy birthday to my partner, Sam Pete. Steve San Pietro. Happy birthday, brother. Thank you, my man. Thank you. That's, uh, I'm going to be old. You're going to be my age. Yes, that's right. You're going to be fine. <laughs> be, thank you, Peach. <laughs> um, a blind keyboard player? <laughs> my final unload is I gotta play the unload music again because somebody had to go off on Star Wars <laughs> oh blame me my final unload is quite simply going back to Jason Collins real quick just to say uh, I think it took a tremendous amount of courage sure he doesn't care what I think but he doesn't care what anybody thinks he can finally be himself and be who he wants to be in public and as a person who lives in this country he should be allowed to do so no matter what his occupation so congratulations to him okay that's it that's all the time we went uh, we went a little long and I don't really care hopefully we'll see you guys all uh, next week that is all for ready to unload number 138 say goodnight to the people Cal Good night, everyone Good night, everybody. Good night, PJ. Ellen Hunt is terrible. <laughs> uh, we lost another listener. Hel- what do you mean, Helen Hunt? That's correct. <laughs> I hear things. Debbie Hager's on the fence, too. <laughs> I read a blog. <laughs> Next week, pound cake, everybody. Good night. <laughs>